Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we have much to discuss here. Going to have Christian Pelotier back on after this to talk about uh, how things did not quite go as we had anticipated in our last podcast. But, but first... It's time to get into an annual exercise here, the Mock Rookie Extensions, where uh, Dan Feldman from NBC, Danny are going to play the teams. I will be the player agent, and we're going to try and figure out what type of range these rookie extensions might be in. We're also going to look at some other guys uh, as well towards the end who are not on rookie scale contracts, but still could be potentially extension candidates. So, uh, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you? <laughs> Is that silence going to get truncated? It won't sound as awkward as it was? Yeah. No, I, I think it will. I mean, I'm always hoping that you guys will, like, chime in at the exact same time. But uh, apparently, that is uh, that is a thing of the past. Um, yeah. I, I, as somebody... There we go. That's <laughs> there we it. go. Yeah. That's what we need. Yeah. As somebody who's been doing two-person podcasts for the last month, I've been more judicious about that. So, <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you prefer? Like us talking over each other or just a really long silence? What is what is like funnier? <laughs> Probably the talking over each other, uh, I would say. Um, so, Dan, uh, have you recovered from uh, the your, our trip to Buddy's Pizza in Detroit when you uh, <laughs> had to see all that melted cheese uh, around you? It no doubt roiled your stomach down to see all of that deliciousness man this podcast is really turning into just a lot of discussion about melted cheese i was you know i really look forward to at the end of all your pods your talk about oh how your trip is going what's going on and i, I could not believe the one time you talked about it up front at the beginning when you have the most listeners is when you're just roasting me for not liking melted cheese are you implying that some people don't listen all the way until the very end <laughs> Uh, you know, for any advertisers listening, looking for a bookend ad, uh, no, I'm not one bit. <laughs> well, we have to, usually you have to throw the post roll on for free anyway, uh, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps for that reason. Uh, so anyway, let's, uh, let's get started here. Um, and obviously we'll have some time to wrap things up at the end. Um, we'll just kind of go through uh, the draft. We had to do this. We used to do this in October, but there've been a couple of extensions already. Uh, Karis Levert, it's probably worth talking about the ones that have already happened first, because those are going to set the, the stage here. Karis Levert agreed to a three-year $52 million extension with the Nets. Thanks a lot, Karis Levert, as and his agent, as the player agent. I am not happy with that uh, precedent being set. And then Ben Simmons also agreed to a maximum extension, five years, $170 million, as did Jamal Murray. Both of those occurred fairly shortly after the start of free agency. So those three are off the board. And now uh, we get to Brandon Ingram with the New Orleans Pelicans. 
Uh, Pell, so what are you willing to start off here with? Brandon, as you know, this is a really challenging negotiation because not only are you a newcomer to our team, but you have been dealing this summer with a significant, though hopefully not significant, long-term health issue with the DVT. So we are willing to talk with an extension with you, but because of the risk involved, we are thinking that if you want to commit now, because we have full match rights, we intend to use that. Your cap hold is, you know, it's high, but it's not insanely high. So if we just want to say, if you're willing to talk more in the starter range, more like 15 to 17 million a year, we're willing to talk. But if you want to go higher than that, then we're going to play it out to next summer. That's a tough call. Uh, Yeah, I mean, my cap hold is 22 million to start with. uh, And that's pretty high. And it's also something where, you know, I think I'd be looking for more something in the average range of that cap hold, but we could start it lower so you could actually get yourselves a little more cap room. I think you're looking at about 15 million in cap space for next year, um, you know, with uh, my hold on the book. So we could get you a little bit more. That actually could be a pretty important couple of million dollars to bring in a, a starter potentially. Uh, you know, the difference between 15 and 17 or 18 million actually could make a pretty big difference on the free agent market. So, uh, you know, I'd be willing to do something uh, along the lines of four years, 88 million, and we could do that. Or I'd be willing to agree to something a little higher and we could put maybe a non-guarantee based on, uh, or put it, put in, uh, and exhibit three so that you're protected with this uh the dvt injury which you know all all the doctors say at least publicly that that is a musculoskeletal injury that was alleviated by the procedure that i had it's not something like a chris bosch style uh uh blood clots that, that's going to recur so uh, those are the two constructions that uh i would be interested in but yeah you know, i think either way you know it's really got to get into the range of you know around 90 million dollars guaranteed and we understand why why you think that is you know that that's a value that you would be willing to give up the chance for free agency but considering the risk involved on our perspective from both those things now we could we could push as high as 75 million over those four years and so if you're willing to accept that along the same structures that you discussed we would we would happily do that but if we get beyond 75 we're willing to take the risk to see if you fit and because you know you've had an up and down nba career and so committing that money to a team with such a fascinating young core if it doesn't work out for us then we get a little bit stuck even though you're young and you're talented so we would do a deal at 75 million four years 75 million but if we go if you want to go above that we respect that opinion but we just won't do it right now so i think i would be willing to go there with yeah i mean that's that's tough i mean i think taking my agent hat off for a second i think as his agent i'd probably take that in in reality and as him i would take that especially with the health issues and the uncertainty i kind of don't see him wanting to do that i mean that's going to be with the cap continuing to rise i mean that's really is about just kind of average starter money once we you know 18 million a year 19 million a year is going to kind of be about average starter money uh you know the max starts at 29 million so i i don't i mean i'd still like to try and work with you i mean maybe with a player option i might be willing to accept a little bit less uh or uh, and just for like real talk here as an agent taking less than 20 million a year seems uh you know just getting over that number that round number is important so if there's well, someone you can here, work here's with what here's what bit. i'm thinking yeah can we do a fifth year that is Either no, well, no- it's got to be the max if we're going to do five. Oh, that's right, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's um, right. Well, then, 
can we do the fourth year heavily protected? Well, so it, raise the raise the per season raise the per season up to so make it four eighty, but make that last year let's say quarter quarter guaranteed right now, and then there are triggers in there to get it to half or three quarters. Well, you just offered me less guaranteed, right? Than but you it, did but before. if you but if but if you want that if you want the Shamstrania twenty million dollar a year tweet, then <laughs> then you're then you're gonna you're gonna need to do that. I mean, the, we we had an offer and we think it's totally acceptable. So if you want that number, then it's it's not going to be us giving you more money. It's going to be us giving you more money conceptually, you know, possibility. And we expect that you will earn that. Like losing you and structuring it as a as a partial guarantee means that we would we or whoever has your contract then would have to cut you, and that is not our anticipation. So you probably would be getting that money unless worse comes to worse. Yeah, and here here's a this is going to be a common refrain on this podcast, but the max next year and part of your problem is if i blow up and get a max i don't know if your salary structure is really gonna be able to handle that you know like you 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 might be in a position where you know you're probably not willing to pay the tax you've got drew holiday already you you're gonna need a center probably that you're you're gonna need to resign you got jj reddick lonzo ball coming up behind me zion uh, eventually is gonna need an extension so next year if i blow up and there are a lot of bad teams with a lot of money and not only like and those are bad teams like atlanta i mean i would fit in just so perfectly in atlanta for example or or memphis you know all these teams need a three need someone who can create uh, i've shown that i can do that um and these are teams that have like multiple max slots for restricted free agent offer sheets and they could even just you know they're in rebuilding mode so they're probably not going to spend any time in the veteran free agent market they could go through with multiple teams and make multiple offers get matched and then just do another one so uh i'd be you your exposure here would be as much uh, as four years and 126 million next summer uh and it would probably be a three plus one as well and you might be in a situation where it doesn't even necessarily make sense to match that so i think there's more pressure on some of these teams and particularly uh with me as the former number two overall pick i'm probably you know between me and pascal siakam we'll see how i play this year uh have it there's so have a chance of being the most uh coveted restricted free agent we don't know whether pascal is going to extend yet so having me be the number one target you could go into next summer just with me as a fait accompli max so that's to go for 75 million guaranteed when i can get 122 potentially or i'm sorry 126 potentially next summer um you know i think that's a concern now i am willing if if uh you wanted to do 22 million a year i'd be willing to have a partial protection on that last year that's based on a recurrence of the blood clot issue uh and that that would uh void the guarantee on that last year but other than that you know i think that the more i think about it you know it's really i gotta draw a pretty hard line at 22 million a year right now if you're gonna we were willing to go as high as four years 78 that's 19.5 could round up to 20 and we'd want some light guarantees on that last year nothing too crazy just just some stuff kind of like maybe you know maybe it's like three quarters half to three quarters guaranteed and then things that we would we would expect like playing enough games 
teams would get there. But we absolutely will not go above that. So if you're willing to accept that, because remember, there's a lot of risk on your side too. Not only just with the DVT, but you're playing on a role with a very different team. And yeah, you battled injuries the last couple of years, but there's still uncertainty about where you fit in on an actual good team. And also, while it is true that the 2020 free agent class is weak, there are also very few teams with a lot of space. And so all it takes is Atlanta liking somebody else better than you or thinking that DeAndre Hunter is is their answer at the same kind of role. And then all of a sudden, you don't have a market anymore. We have match rights on you. And... We know how restricted free agents that aren't max players generally work out. So I think that's a completely a completely fair offer. Four years, 78 with, with partial guarantees on that last year. We will not go beyond that for any circumstances. And you, as reasonable minds can differ here, if you think you're going to get more, you can roll those dice. You are allowed to do that. But yeah. we think well, this well, here's, is a strong Here's offer. the thing for me is it's almost impossible for me to imagine getting less than your offer in restricted free agency unless I just like can't play at all this year or something because i mean there's here's the teams that have space atlanta 78 million charlotte 34 million and these are all teams that have nothing at the three by the way as of now that it's established uh cleveland 44 million memphis 46 million the knicks could have as much as 55 million uh phoenix 29 million san antonio could could be a, a player toronto uh you know even washington could have some space so it's really th- those are all bad teams that i think at a minimum would offer me starter money uh so i even if i don't have the greatest year i think you know i'm so young as well you know being 18 when i came into the league so yeah i, I actually i almost regret starting as low as i did but obviously there was no deal to be made here uh feldman what, what do you think of that uh from afar here not to not to give up your own negotiating strategy but uh what do you think of that yeah i think both sides handled it pretty well i might have even been a little more apprehensive as the pelicans just given given the health issues uh but i think overall that went fairly close to how i expected yeah and i this is what i think i probably don't expect to get done i mean maybe they just believe in him so much but the fit issues with zion williamson i mean i think you know you still do have match rights there is maybe a concern over a match max offer but considering ball holiday jj reddick zion you know i don't see ingram we haven't seen his game mesh that well with other ball dominant players i don't see him necessarily having this unbelievable year this year and you know there could be a team that still say hey we want him to to be one of our primary ball handlers uh, as an answer but I, I think it's just it's too risky for the Pels I mean, the risk of giving him a big contract and then he doesn't fit with Zion and he's not that good it's greater than the risk of he blows up and now you gotta pay him a lot I think is what right. it boils and, down to and the other part of it from my perspective was doing a deal that it was more likely than not that on a reasonable outcome he could be traded if he doesn't fit because that was something I, I brought up is the idea that even that it could just be that you get stuck and then considering all the other moving parts that you need to do to figure out a team around Zion Williamson like I mean just that the Pelicans are just such a fascinating situation that if you just lock in 20 22 million on a guy and it doesn't work and he's a negative value contract are they really willing to like give up some of the Lakers picks or their own picks to reshuffle and I mean maybe they wouldn't have to give up that much but it was a, a risk that I was very cognizant enough all right we got much more to get to here uh, dan feldman will actually talk uh <laughs> about something other than pizza uh, right after this the button-up shirt is something that we have struggled with as a society for many years i'm sure as a child of the 90s y'all remember how we'd wear these incredibly baggy untucked button-up shirts it just didn't look good 
and then tucking them in i doubt works for a suit but a lot of shirts uh aren't meant to be worn untucked for more casual situations well untuck it finally has a button-up shirt that you can wear untucked in normal everyday situations to be both comfortable and stylish they're the perfect untucked length uh no matter your size or shape that they fit me i'm uh, certainly an oddly shaped guy they've got more than 50 fit combinations so whether you're tall short slim or athletic whether you happen to have just gained 15 pounds the way i did on this long road trip or have just lost 15 pounds as i plan to have done in about two months there's an untuck it shirt that's going to work for you shop online or visit one of their stores they've got 50 of those now you can try them on in person or go to untuck it u-n-t-u-c-k-i-t untuckit.com and use that familiar promo code capspace by saving 20 percent on your first order they offer free shipping. They offer returns on all orders in the U.S. for free as well if needed. So you can make sure that you get it right with their more than 50 fit combinations to get the perfect one for you. Once again, that's untuckit.com. And don't forget that cap space code. Let them know that you came from us. All right. We are back here and time to get to another extension candidate. Jalen Brown, unlike Brandon Ingram, I think I've shown that I can be versatile, can contribute to winning basketball. I bounced back, showed some mental toughness after a rough start to last year. And cap hold, $19 million. Probably doesn't look like the Celtics are going to have cap space, assuming Gordon Hayward opts in to $34 million. So, you know, that's kind of less of an issue. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I'm looking for... I think I'm better than Brandon Ingram. I'm looking for $26 million per year. Well, first of all, we do think it's kind of funny that you patted yourself on the back for not playing as poorly as you played earlier in the year, as if you deserve credit for struggling for part of the season. Like, some of that is on you. Brandon Ingram has averaged 16 points a game, 18 points a game. You've never even cracked 15. Uh, we do like you. As a complimentary player, we think you can fit in in a lot of ways, are, are pretty versatile, have a nice all-around game. Scoring can be part of it, uh, but scoring is the premium skill. That's what Brandon Ingram has. We don't really love that as a comp of where those uh, negotiations went. So we're willing to offer you four years, $80 million. All right, so $20 million a year. Um, you know, I think, again, I've already proven that I can be a quality starter on the wing. Uh, and I'm young enough to get better. Haven't really gotten hurt at all in, in my career. So that's ba- like what you're offering is basically like you're paying me for what my production is right now and you know even if i come back and have the exact same year that i've been having i think that offer is out there for me so in restricted free agency again uh you know i i sent the same uh, uh you've seen the memo that brandon ingram's agents uh sent to uh sent to the pelicans as far as what's out there so i think you know i understand you know paying me at a superstar level isn't necessarily in the budget and I haven't proven that level of production yet, but I think it's reasonable given my age to say, hey, you're already producing at a quality starter level, which is $20 million a year. So you can assume that I'm going to be better than that. So maybe 26 is too much, but I think, you know, $24.5 per year is as low as I, I'm going to go. You know, just a, a little bit under $100 million. Uh So then, you know, Shams can tweet something complimentary about Danny Ainge for getting uh, <laughs> getting me under uh, $100 million. Well, let's be clear. Roughly, that offer was probably closer to how good you were two years ago. 
not what you did last year. Uh, I'm not sure throughout the entire season, overall, you were a quality starter. Uh, at times, absolutely. At well, times, well, do, not. Do you, would you say I'm better than Harrison Barnes? Irrelevant. <laughs> you cannot, God, <laughs> if you use Harrison Barnes every time in one of these negotiations, I might lose my mind. I, I, I mean, it, irrelevant, like you... That's just the, you might say, oh, he's not that good, but like, he's someone who can shoot I'm sorry. the ball as I can. I'm sorry, are and, we the Boston leverages all of a sudden? What? Are we the Boston leverages all of a sudden? Irrelevant. Uh, well, you, you may, there's a lot of leverages out there next summer, uh, the, that you're gonna have to, that you're gonna have to match on. Uh, so, no, uh, I mean, I think, again, it's, yeah, all right, you, you're gonna increase your offer? Yeah. Okay. How about, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll stop talking for that. Okay. How about we meet in the middle? Uh, so we offer 20 a year. You were looking for, for what, 26? So yeah. why don't we meet yeah. the, in I, the I, middle? Well, my, my last offer was 24 and a half. So, so, but why that, so that was a significant concession already there. Okay. So how about, how about we meet at, 23 well, well. well can we get to uh, 24 and a half with some uh, 23 million a year guaranteed and then uh some incentives to to get to 24 and a half based on you know, getting deep into the playoffs or you know three point field goal percentage or you know whatever whatever you want to come up with that you think would indicate that i'm continuing to grow as a player and, and fulfilling like that level of production um so how about so how about 23 and then up to 26 uh, based on uh, finals appearance, let's split it halfway between finals appearances and all NBA selections. You you know you play on the wing where those spots are up for grabs if you're really developing it in the way that we all hope you do. Well, let's let's just make it all. Um, yeah, I mean finals appearances. If I get traded, that's a little tough. Um, you know, maybe, you maybe it might something... be a little tough, but I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's that's already the pie in the sky one. So I think maybe at least. Like, like, could we just kind of stair step it up between like conference semifinals, conference finals, finals? Uh, we could do finals and championships. I mean, look at we we've been to the conference finals. Like that's that's not like in yeah. The, I, I helped out with that. You might recall two years ago <laughs> you want to f- pretend like last year didn't happen uh you know let's, let's do conference finals uh let's let's do finals and and winning and we'll have it stair-stepped in there and and we'll do it up to with that we'll do up to 26 and a half instead of the 26 i said all right g- give me something that's a little bit lower though i, I know this is great radio for us <laughs> ar- arguing about this but you know something that's based on you know individual that's like within my control all right uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have all-star in there instead all nba Okay, that's that's reasonable, especially in the sorry East. Uh, okay, uh, we'll do that. I, I'm uh, in reality, I would probably be negotiating a little bit harder for Same. Just like you know to have it be have it be uh, something that's based on individual statistics that might actually be obtainable. You know, indicating that I'm continuing to progress, but maybe not reaching All Star level. But uh, so that's fine. So we've got a deal: twenty three million a year guaranteed with incentives that could make it up to twenty six million. So total there is. Well, I gave you twenty six and a half with the incentives, okay. so the the Yay! range is ninety two million, and then this will get reported as one hundred and six million. Sounds good. All right, Dragon Bender had his option declined. How about uh, Chris Dunn with the with the Bulls? You want to make me any kind of an offer here? <laughs> 
Literally, no, like, not even, like, at backup money. I mean, if you want, like... I mean, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't take it, but just to, just as a theoretical discussion. Well, the theoretical uh, discussion would be about third point guard money. Oof. Which is what right. you are it's, at uh, best. Yeah. Well, you do, do remember you traded Jimmy Butler to get me. You, we traded you Jimmy Butler for uh, Lowry Markkinen as far as we'd like anybody to remember. Well, and Zach Levine. He had a better year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Buddy Heald with the Kings, number six overall pick uh, back in 2016. Um, I, I have a question for Buddy Heald before we get going. Uh, how, yeah. how old are you now? Um, how about I just give you my birth certificate instead of telling you so it's actually <laughs> reliable? Yeah, that'll, that'll do. Yeah, I mean, Heald did have a pretty successful age 35 season. <laughs> 20, 20.7 points per game. So I, I turned 27 in December. For now. Is that, I was going to say, is that still going to be the answer in December? No, no uh, oh, that I turned 27 in December? Yeah. Uh, well, King's here. Yeah. This is this is an interesting negotiation because we're still trying to figure out exactly where our team is going over the next couple of years financially. We have your free agency and I mean your cap hold is 14.6 million. We fully expect as I'm guessing you do that you will make more money than that whether it is now or later. So that is a pretty big incentive for us to wait. We're also negotiating with Bogdan Bogdanovich who is extension eligible, not rookie scale, but also extension eligible this same offseason so well, well I'll, I'll tell you what actually this this might clarify things okay um bogdanovich the most that you can offer him is four years and 51.4 million okay should we just do that i assume you're you're going to make that offer yes and would you put a player option on it as well given my age i think that that's something that'd be pretty important to me could we do a not fully guaranteed player option no also, uh, you just that wouldn't be possible because you'd have to make the previous year not. Good. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's something. Taking aside my team hat, that's something I would love to see. Is just for a little bit more modification there. I think that'd be cool. But anyway, uh, yeah, we do that. I mean, at that kind of at ten, basically t- a little bit over ten million a year for Bogdanovich for his basically his prime. Yeah, we do that. Yeah. So I, that's just a tough question of whether to take that or not. It is. I believe Absolutely. I believe Nate and I are higher on Bogdanovich than you are, Dan. No, that's why maybe not because I don't think it's a tough question at all. I think there's no way he should take it. Yeah. No. I, oh, okay. So, yeah. So okay. He, so we're we're in line. Just then. just turned 27, so it, it'll be still 27 when free agency comes around. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it is pretty tough to take that, especially that's about like what I've been making already. This is my one chance to get out there. I mean, that's it's not quite the mid level exception for next year, but pretty you know not much above it. Yeah, I, I don't think I can do that, uh, especially with it being so many years. Um, so, and and I'm always going to have a job in in Europe as well. You never know. So, so yeah, I think I, I ultimately I'm going to have to not take that. Um, okay, and, so and then I, mean, that, I will that's be restricted. Right. So then the other thing too is I'll be restricted. But if you come to terms with healed, then you I think teams will think I'm gettable because you're not going to pay both me and healed. What I hear, people will believe that we'll pay anybody, so we'll be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Kings cap space situation next year without Bogdanovich and Heald could have about 40 million in space um without Bogdanovich and he and if they do resign or the, and they don't resign healed now or don't extend healed now and they just have his cap hold then they could have 24 million in space but presumably healed is going to make more than that so th- those are some of the considerations here for the kings um all right so so let's get back to buddy healed uh, make me an offer kings you know you're uh you traded demarcus cousins for me it looks like uh, ultimately you guys won that trade despite criticism at the time so 
uh i was a huge part of what you're trying to do i mean probably your second best player last year uh and really important to the running game you don't have a lot of great shooters on this team so uh you know, I'm looking for a pretty sizable offer here. Where are you willing to start? We were thinking about starting. So we believe that you are already starting caliber and not, not you know, like a strong one, but but definitely an important player on what we think will be a successful team. So where we were thinking of starting was four years, 19 million per season. And we think that's a totally fair offer. We're not going to go too far past that because of because of the uncertainty in play. But we think that's a, a strong... What, un, what uncertainty? Well, just with where free agency is going and where our own roster is going, you know, like we might have the opportunity. Let's say we, we De'Aaron Fox becomes the star this year. We might get some of these potential free agents being really interested in Sacramento that we we're, we think we're a better situation well, but, than but Memphis. Who, wh- what potential free agents that might realistically go there are better than me like, like I, well you, we already have use... we already have bogdanovich so if we could get somebody who's maybe more on the forward line and could fit could help us cultivate a defensive identity we already have bogdanovich who can be a shooter and a secondary playmaker and we could we can we can cultivate players so it's true that there isn't anybody like you but we might already have a guy like you that works well enough yeah, you know, uh, this is actually kind of a similar situation to the Rockets years ago with Terrence Jones and Denis Matiunas. As it turned out, the Rockets <laughs> made a great decision to not extend either of those guys. Um, but, you know, both those guys were considered starters at the time playing a similar position. But Donovich could play some three. He healed really can't. Um, so you're saying $19 million a year? You know, again, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think a good comp is... JJ Redick a couple of years ago got over 20 million and you know the cap has only gone up since then I'm younger I think I'm at the same level as him um so you know I'm thinking like along the lines of 22 million a year what did you guys offer 19 to we start are, with we offer 19 we we would be so willing four for 76 the, the yeah. fur the furthest we would go is we can meet in the middle that would be 20 and a half because if we can start to get beyond that then we lose flexibility and while you are a very good player i don't i'm not as worried for you about like that full-on max contract you know and and also for the sacramento yeah that extra money it it, it hurts a little bit but we're not just we're not going into the tax we don't have that many huge expenditures coming up over the next couple of years you know fox is going to get paid but i i think we'd be okay so we would 20 and a half is our final offer and no player option or anything like that and no no partial guarantees either so it'd be a straight 82 million 482 well could you throw some incentives on it again both to to uh win the um press game and also if the kings continue to improve yes um, but but we we want them to be ambitious incentives so maybe we can have some that are a little bit so what we're thinking is you know i mean this team hasn't made the playoffs in a long time like Like, it's not going to be making it's not going to be making the playoff we could do maybe a small guarantee there but it'd be more in terms of like winning a playoff series or two like escalating incentives in that case or making an all-star team making an all-nba team but yeah i think so let's say we could do an extra two million per season there in what would be classified now as unlikely incentives well, well so why don't we do what if we do it this way two two million incentives per season five hundred thousand based on making the playoffs making the second round making the conference finals okay. uh, and making the finals totally fine with that all right so that's uh 82 million guaranteed could get as high as 92 million no wait 94 million 23 million a year with incentives healed was one that i had i i i had interest in where it was going to go because i wonder what his constituency is as a restricted free agent it's something nate and i talked about with d'angelo russell and russell ended up getting paid he obviously had a better track record than healed has right now but healed has another year to to put something on, on the page and 
Like Atlanta, if they like Kevin Herter, they're probably not going to be in the mix. But it does feel like with a guy who can shoot as well as Heald can and has has produced, you know, the last couple of years, that there will be a team that just throws money at him. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I think there's uh, some teams out there. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I misspoke. It, it was I forgot it was two million annually in incentives, not three million. So yeah, four for ninety is is the most it could be. And the Kings cost themselves about four million in cap room with that move compared to just his capital it goes from 14 million to about 18 million so that's probably worth it i think to to get him locked up and continue the uh the feel goods in uh in sacramento um and i think those are reasonably attainable incentives and you know, it actually could start if the kings do make the playoffs this year or or god forbid win around uh that then his number would increase a little bit because those would become likely bonuses uh all right that was uh i think that was productive um who's next up Jakob purdle with the spurs number nine pick yeah marquise chris got his option declined jamal murray has already agreed so purdle the number nine pick originally the raptors was part of the derozan trade cap hold not enormous about 11.2 million uh but I, i'll leave it in, in your court here spurs you know, you traded for me as a, a center of the future what kind of an offer would you you like to make i always love how you set up like what the situation is uh we didn't exactly trade for you as a center of the future we traded for you because we couldn't i, get... I was the centerpiece of the trade uh <laughs> in terms of future assets <laughs> Uh, no well, literally a... the centerpiece uh, of I the trade did there uh, we traded for you because we couldn't get the good young players that we actually wanted uh they wouldn't give them to us <laughs> we, we took you to save face a little bit um you play center you are not necessarily <laughs> even a starting center in a league overstuffed with centers i don't think you're above that threshold where you got to get paid because we got to have you know we like you more I, I, I mean you couldn't you guys got killed whenever i was off the floor against uh against denver in the first wrong okay <laughs> i mean that's fair i also think that it's not that hard to find a backup sometimes starting center at a low price maybe not one quite as good as you so we're willing to pay more than the minimum but we could get a competent one for the minimum and we could get a decent one for not much more so here's our offer we're willing to offer you uh, your choice of three years 14 million or four years 16 million it's kind of right in the line with uh, what Kavan looney got with the warriors we see you as a similar level yeah i think i could still be a starter uh and so yeah i I think we're probably not gonna get a deal you know if you're if we were coming in you know eight nine million a year or something like that then i would have started started to listen but realistically just as an agent you can't agree to that type of an extension Uh, i mean the the i think the smallest extension that we've seen was what 13 million a year with justice winslow in the last like probably five years or so um at least for rookie scale extensions and you know that that did only have 26 million guaranteed uh with with a team option but still i mean that's like that's a you know you're you're not even close to that level here so uh, it's it, realistically we're just we're never going to agree on that uh i appreciate at least being made an offer though yeah uh just just for reference uh the highest we would have gone was three years 15 million or four years 17 so not much different than that but yeah but no, not in your ballpark, and, clearly i mean i do think there is a difference in terms of your loonies your ed davis 
your NS Cantor, like uh, compared to Pirtle, because Pirtle actually has some two way ability and has enough size to be a starting center. I think those players actually have a, a higher market than just the pure backup guys do, who are limited due to size or being one way players, where, you know, Pirtle is still young enough to, to improve. But uh, we obviously don't see it the same way. Uh, Thon Maker with Detroit, I'm guessing we're in a pretty similar boat there, Danny, as. as uh, well, a, le- a, a less Luke, a less lucrative boat but yes pretty yeah. similar boat and why, why am i getting all the the age questionable guys but i'm okay with that <laughs> <laughs> all right this will be an interesting one. Ooh, baby demontis sabonis cap hold about 11 million dollars indeed not projecting to have significant cap space with or without him so you know that that's not really a consideration but uh you know i also kind of uh, i mean i know we're gonna try and play me at the four so i i'm your starting four right now so i'm looking for and also i've got the ability to slide to the five defensively which a lot of people don't have so you know i'm looking for 20 million a year yeah i mean we i like you as a center we as the pacers like you as a power forward so it's a little tougher to assess your value it's going to be a role where you haven't succeeded on that same level we already have a lot of money invested in miles turner so if it turns out that you can't play power forward if we give you 20 million a year and it just doesn't work out at power forward uh we could be kind of stuck and we don't want to be there now if it works then we can pay you in restricted free agency and we think maybe you'd be headed toward maybe 20 million a year if it works Uh, so what we're willing to offer is uh four years 60 million 15 million a year yeah i'm going through the list of teams here and toronto is going to need a center international flavor i could i could certainly see myself getting an offer sheet from them Knicks, maybe less so san antonio if they end up with space depending on what happens with DeRozan, but you know i wouldn't want to count on that i i just heard that they had a a starting caliber center in jacob pertle yeah well he's gonna leave for a really lucrative <laughs> offer sheet and restricted free agency so mm-hmm. um you know atlanta probably not really a fit there possibly though maybe he and collins could, could work together um charlotte so cleveland i think all the, no those teams really have centers of the future so i do think there's uh there's some hope of getting an offer sheet you know miles turner what did he get he got four years 72 million and incentives that pushed it up to like 80 that's uh, that's about where he is um so i'll tell you what you give me that exact same deal and you got me yeah uh, we can't do that miles turner better defensive player uh you know just a, a real force on that and one of the very best players in the league came with just a lot more upside uh, and no we, we just we can't do that um you know we could we could bump it up a little we're not gonna get much higher than that initial 460 uh but we could do how about 464 we'll give you another million a year so that's 16 million a year yeah i don't think that's gonna cut it unfortunately um um, you know, I, I think I'm a starter. Starters just don't agree to, and I've already established myself as a starter. Starters just don't agree to money that that's that low. I mean, you're, you're again, you're paying me for the production that I have already exhibited. And so there's got to be an allowance for getting better uh, offensively. You've um, proven yeah. yourself as a starter? When did that happen? Um just i'm playing at that level yeah i mean often against backups we we agree i mean you're you're this like low-end starter or high-end backup uh here's the best we can do Uh, we can do four years 66 million we're we're pushing it about like that's that's the best we can do if that doesn't work you know we hope you click at power forward and we 
want to re-sign you for even more. We hope it works out that way. And we really hope it doesn't end up that you go into a year where you're not positioned to succeed, don't succeed, and then hit restricted free agency with your value way lower. We really hope that doesn't happen to you. So four years, $66 million is our final offer. I mean, we're pretty close here because I was looking for $72 million guaranteed. Can we bridge this gap somehow, whether it's with a player option? Um, you know, I think if we could do a player option at that $66 million, hmm. that, that would be enough to forego that extra six million but it's just it's tough to take less than miles turner i see myself and and this is miles to remember this is miles turner last year right this isn't miles turner now that's now a bargain contract because he really improved in a lot of projectable ways. as i plan to as well we think maybe you've already made your leap you can still continue to improve but we kind of think maybe you're a little closer to your ceiling uh, so you're 23 right now so that player option will hit when you're 26 rather than you definitely becoming a free agent at 27 and that's right in the thick of your prime that's a little too dangerous for us we we can't do it with the player option uh yeah sorry we can't all right well it's i, I gotta stick at the 72 million then if you can't get there then we're uh sad as it is to say uh now i mean it, it, like are there some incentives again that we could get to that could push it 72 million that would be pretty easily attainable you know as far as you feeling okay it's worth it now uh and then some maybe less attainable but still somewhat attainable incentives that could push me uh up to the 80 million or so range yeah no. like, is that enough what's what's 15 percent of uh i think that we're 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 not violating that rule are we yeah you know, so i mean this doesn't sound like we're gonna quite get there we sound pretty close but if we did something with incentives we're willing to go over 66 uh, but the guarantee would would come down and still kind of that middle ground All expected right, for, area would, would still end yeah, up i mean it's just it, it just doesn't seem like you're like we're so close it just doesn't seem like you're really willing to commit and so uh that's fine you know i'm i'm uh you know i think i'm gonna thrive as a power forward i'll thrive as as a center if i prove that i can play both positions adequately my value only goes up we hope to see it that's a tough negotiation i mean that was why i was really interested in where it was going to go and i've been thinking about the possibility that sabonis gets traded in season just because another team might really want to have his bird rights if it's yeah. if mm-hmm. it's not working but then he's not it's not an extension thing but i mean it's just the change in role is such a huge like weight over that whole negotiation because they already committed to turner and unless they're going to like trade turner and move sabonis to center which i guess they could do it's so hard to commit right now like i i th- I really like the way this negotiation ended up going because that's kind of like for me it was just is there is there a place to bridge it without knowing whether he works it at, at the four yeah well I, I mean I think the only thing that was unrealistic about it was just like if you're six million apart over four years you're probably going to get there in reality and Feldman and I just both had our lines in the sand um no, yeah I, 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 I would guess that actually that his agent is actually going to start higher than I did I, I was just a little wary again just about you know centers getting restricted free agent offers but Sabonis seems to have a big constituency around the league in a way that some centers don't with his his passing ability is his versatility I, i'm just you know for seeing from my own standpoint here not the agents the uh the defensive limitations are a little bit of a concern for me uh so that's i, I mean i think i probably would have been about where feldman was and you know if i were i've said this many times if i were the pacers i would have already traded him i think if, if there were you know a solid first round pick out there for him yeah I, i'll just say you know it was a very close in the end but only because we got to our lines in the sand it was not close at the start um 
as far as what the Pacers will do, I don't know. There seems to be a little bit more optimism that a deal will get done than I thought there would be. Uh, so I, I don't yeah. know. Well, uh, they also have optimism that he's the power forward of the future. So That's true. Um, all right, Torian Prince with uh, the Nets just got traded there. Uh, $10 million cap hold, probably not really a, a consideration. Um, but you've got Joe Harris coming up uh, as an unrestricted free agent here. So I, I play the same position as him. You can at the very least get some insurance in case he leaves and gets a, a huge offer uh but where are you willing to start here that's we understand especially with kevin durant being out most of this year if not all of this year that you're going to, you're going to have an opportunity to shine and we we traded for you because we think that you could do well for us the challenge is that you could become a clear starting caliber player but you you don't have that in your resume yet and even if we're optimistic we have to be realistic here because the Nets don't have a lot of flexibility. So if we make a mistake, then we're stuck with it for a long time. And we have the capacity to pip, to match yeah. with restrictions. You also races. need some human trade exceptions though. Yeah, we we do, but oh, you're not you're not a, you're not a super value. good human trade exception until next year due to base year compensation even if we come to an, even if yeah, we come Yeah, but to that, but that's when it that's when it's going to matter anyway. Yeah, but right? but that I mean, but we so... can do, but we, that doesn't mean we need to agree to an extension. That just means that you might end up on our team after this coming season and we could do that either way. So we're just to be upfront. We're not even going to get particularly close to the Justice Winslow thirteen million a year. All right. Well, th- then we're done. Okay. Yeah. We're not. We're not going to do that yet. I mean, there's a chance yeah, you. I, get- I, I might have been willing to accept something in that range, but yeah, uh, we were thinking yeah. more in the like eight to nine, you know, around the mid level exception. Yeah. No, that's that's probably not going to happen. Okay. Uh, that's I mean, fine. it's probably it's probably something he might consider taking. But again, just the upside for any kind of wing. Yeah, he hasn't defended in Atlanta so far, but kind of looks like he can defend and, and has hit shots. So. Um, kind of looks like he can defend is is a great description of Torian. I mean that that actually fools a lot of people. It frankly. really does. Uh, all right, Dario Saric with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, cap hold is ten million. Uh, if they get rid of that cap hold, could have as much as thirty million dollars in space. But Suns, you know, I, I was a big part of this trade that you made to move down from six to eleven. You picked me up. Obviously, I have a fair amount of value to you to to move down five slots in the draft <laughs> to pick me up. So uh, I, I assume that you're going to make me some kind of a reasonable offer here. I, I mean, I mean, knowing me, probably not. But I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just have such a hard time assessing your value because you've been in so many different roles well the sun the suns didn't they they, they valued me i gotta say i think the suns had a very hard time assessing your value uh you know well well, hard time in that uh it didn't go well but not not hard time in the sense of uh you know actually coming to a conclusion yes that could be true uh i i have a hard time assessing your value because you've been in so many different roles uh you know, going even within Philly, you changed so much from your first season to your second season. Then going to Minnesota, everything was so scrambled there. I'm not sure what to make of that. I really don't know what you're going to be doing for us. Uh, so it's tough. I'm not sure if we want to commit to you or just have you next year. Uh, so I'm sure this will be a low ball offer. But we're thinking something, if you want it, and I'm sure you probably don't, something like three years, $27 million. You know that's not that far off. I mean, my cap hold is ten point four million, and and we can keep this brief. I, if you could give me 
four years starting at my cap hold so that would ultimately get to with the maximum raises that would be about 46.8 million yeah but four years 46.8 million yeah yeah that's, you, you have a better spreadsheet than i do i, I gotta update that's, uh, that's too high for for us i mean you're already 25 because you came over a little later so we're hesitant yeah, so, about so four that's years. a good reason to get a, a a fourth year lock me up through my prime and maybe like 25 through 20 26 through 29 seasons that's like exactly when you want to get a guy locked up maybe i think we'd probably rather have you through your age 28 season maybe by 29 that's not sure exactly what it's looking like by the end there it's a little high for us like well if you want to do three years we could do it you just got to offer me more per season we did that <laughs> that you was did? The, that was the 27 well you didn't offer me more per season though <laughs> then we would have over four yes I mean, we didn't say it, but that's how we got to that number. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could do... Uh. Yeah, this this would be even what I'm proposing would be I guess I guess Larry Nance was actually a little bit less per year than Winslow. He was like uh, in the uh, the 11 million dollar per year range. So this would be right about what Larry Nance got. I mean, that's like I mean I have proof of myself as a starter in this league on a playoff team. How did the Cavaliers feel feel about the Larry Nance extension? And maybe the better question is how should they feel about the Larry Nance extension? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's uh. Um, how, how about how about this man? This is how about. Three Three years, thirty million. How about you throw a fourth year on that's half guaranteed? That doesn't do much for us because you know that's going to be a decent size cap hit, and we got to pay you to go away at that number. Like, no, no, you don't have to pay me to go away. I'm going to be a value contract well, maybe. as a starter, making ten million a year. Maybe right. Uh, I mean, this is basically the you know the mid level exception here. I think I'm going to have something available like that out there. I'm not in, sure that in you, free agency. I'm not sure that you will. I mean, there's a decent chance, which is why we're talking about this. But I'm not sure you will. Um, I do that last year a quarter guaranteed, and we're good. Oh, this is that, that's one that he would probably never actually agree to in reality but i i'm just from i i think in reality the Suns would offer more and he would wouldn't take as as little but just this is one where i just think like man like it's just it's so tough to find a role for him as you alluded to and i think you know this year it could be difficult for him so uh playing next to Aiton and you know the defensive limitations so yeah I, i'm gonna have to ultimately take it and grin and bear it but uh i think in real life he doesn't take that little one thing that i think is an effective argument here that we haven't talked about enough is the rising cap you know we don't i don't think it's going to go crazy or anything like that but 10 million a year for charge now i think that's fine but three years from now four years from now i think that's going to look pretty good even if he is deteriorating a little bit i mean that's let's say the cap goes up five million a year from this point on or even three million a year that contract looks meaningfully better that's that's like probably going to be eighth or ninth maybe like seventh or eighth man money at that point you know but it's also a little less predictable how the cap is going to go now some of the you know the big major event the new national tv contracts and then you had the yeah i mean it's predictable until like 23 or 24 uh i mean i'm just well i don't know i'm not sure how much it's going to rise uh i know i mean it's projected to rise seven million a year and most of that is just baked into the national tv deal rising that much yeah so so i think think that that's the the larger basis for that so i I think that i now you know when there's a new tv deal we'll see whether it keeps going up or not (laughs) yes um 
All right, that was uh yeah, the the uh any agents listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh but I I mean this is more about just my own personal evaluation. The fact that Sarge hasn't made any money in his career either and being in this toxic son situation where you never know what can happen, it's just better to just get the money. Makes you want to lock point. into that toxic son situation. Well, no, it makes no, me no, want to no, lock into getting paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sharich, like he's he's a great example for me of a guy that I think will have a constituency but I'm not 100% sure and that's a huge risk to take i mean 40 million dollars or 33 million whatever is a lot of money to just commit to like that's you know that's more than you can you can live with for a lifetime so yeah i get i get i get locking that in now all right denzel valentine Ah. with the bulls with uh papa g got his option declined the 13 overall pick yeah we'd uh we'd love to invite you to training camp to to come and give you a chance to to make our team <laughs> yeah i mean that's he'll make the team but no it's, i mean after missing the whole year it's tough to to expect any kind of extension talks um one hernan gomez i i gotta say unless you're i mean we saw what daro shards just got unless you can come with something like that denver and really commit to me of having a rotation role in the future you know i think i've just kind of been jacked around i think i've produced when i've been healthy and, and on the floor so um you know, and I think I will have some chances in free agency. So I'm, uh, you know, unless you can get close to that charge deal, Denver, uh, then I don't think we have much to talk about. We're not going to do that right now. We hope that you play well enough and play enough to to justify that. But to take to commit, especially considering our financial constraints, it's probably a little bit premature for that. But hopefully, it works out. Gershon Yabusele, Wade Baldwin, Henry Ellenson are no longer with the team that drafted them. All of them had their option declined. That's your 16 through 18 picks in the 2016 draft. Malik Beasley uh, is eligible for an extension again. Denver not projecting to have much cap space next summer, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But the cap hold is 8.2 million. If it matters, you know, I think I I showed my ability to be a, a starting two when I was given the chance, uh, contributed to uh, a solid playoff team. Your epic run to uh, Game Seven of the Conference Semifinals last year, so. You know, it is, I I realize you do have Gary Harris. I realize I'm not going to have the greatest amount of opportunity here, but I think, you know, I'm looking for something that's going to wind up 15 million a year, maybe a little bit less than starter money, just because I, I I may not have that opportunity. It got some size limitations, but I think I can be a starting two guard in this league and, uh, you know, I'm willing to take a little bit of a discount, but not much off of that type of money. Yeah. So we're probably on different pages. I mean, we were looking at paying you like a, you know, a solid not great backup you've had one season at that level you look at you know what what those guys go for it's often uh like a big chunk but not all of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception so we were looking at something like that in the eight-ish million dollar a year range uh so it sounds like we're probably pretty far off yeah well it, i'm sorry did someone new take over uh as denver gm i, th- I thought this is tin kelly i thought <laughs> when guys that develop here and produce they get paid i you know we might pay you next summer this is just as an extension where like you said we already have gary harris we already have will barton uh who might end up playing more to um jamal murray can play some two in two point guard lineups uh with um a player we did end up paying uh monte morris is how he developed so we'll just kind of see how it goes maybe next summer uh we'll, we'll want you and we'll be happy to pay you because you developed here but we're just not ready to commit more than like good backup money right now 
All right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, we'll have to just uh, move on then. DeAndre Bembry with the Hawks, uh, pretty small cap holds, uh, 7.8 million. You're going to have over 70 million in room. You, you can afford to pay me, right, Hawks? And we might eventually, but we're not going to do so right now. We want to see where this season goes. We have a lot of young players and we think that you're a part of that, but we don't know exactly what to do. And so there's the, it's not the right time for a commitment. We want to see where the season goes. We have match rights. We will wield them if we need to. Uh, yet another, uh, uh, these really, these option declines really clustered. The next four players all had their options declined, although Furkan Korkmaz is still with the Sixers on, on a minimum. Malachi Richardson, TLC, and uh, Bryce Johnson. Uh, the last, I, th- I think Bryce Johnson might have been like the last draft pick of like the actual Doc River era uh or, or the rock divers era <laughs> how, how dare i say that all right uh pascal siakam um i mean i think i'm better than jamal murray right now i think i'm as good as ben simmons frankly um you don't have any other pieces to build around in the long term other than maybe og ananobi you're trying to get into free agency next year you need to have me locked up uh i just want a five-year max we will do a five-year max with an unguaranteed fifth year because yeah you you mentioned some interesting comps and in terms of how you're playing right now sure you're older than those guys though so we'll do five-year max with the fifth year unguaranteed or if that's not amenable to you uh then maybe we'll just wait till next summer uh we've been on the same page we've helped develop you we we know you're happy here uh we can do kind of a handshake deal of you know we're very interested in giving you that five-year max next summer but we can hold you at that lower cap hold just over seven million and really make the most out of our cap space first if you yeah now so, if you want so the security really, now it would cost you about 22 million in cap space to sign me to that right now if you want the security now we're willing to do it the fifth year unguaranteed uh but if you want to go toward next summer like everything is trending to our plan would be to offer you a five-year max then uh and we can use that cap space first shenanigans shenanigans well why don't you just give me four years uh at the max no fifth year because for for doing something for you by guaranteeing you this money now and hurting our cap space next summer we do need to get something in exchange and so for us yeah, well, well you're not getting the fifth year you're so worried that i'm gonna age well i'm or, not sure if we want that fifth year which is why we want it unguaranteed right i mean we could very easily regret not signing you to the fifth year it could very well turn out that we'd love to have you for that fifth year even at the max we just don't know there's a lot of unpredictability uh, so we'd like to have that as our decision that fifth year so as of now i am 26 uh or i will be next summer 26 i mean that's pretty much right through prime age i mean i've been awesome skill development i am only going to get better never get hurt great locker room guy great story I and mean, this is the type of foundational player that you commit to i mean that unguaranteed fifth year so i'd like to make it clear yeah. we're leaving this choice up to you because we are committing to you if, if you want the security we want to give it to you we just need a little something in return if you want to to help us maximize our cap room next summer and wait for the five-year max that's our plan to give it to you then uh as long as nothing goes awry but like we are absolutely headed toward that and we're giving you this choice because we are committed to you well are there any circumstances under which we could how how about that we make that fifth year guarantee if i make an all-star team the year before no at any point during the contract 
you're gonna make an all-star team we we're just taking that for granted that's pretty much guaranteed. oh you are okay well then then you probably should just give me a five-year <laughs> max guaranteed jamal murray probably isn't gonna make an all-star team well do it if you make i mean i mean look look at like can you really take the risk of a three plus one in restricted free agency i mean we, we every team out there is going to be willing to give me that offer i think oh sure but that that's why we're we're trying to be on the same page here we want to we want to give you that five-year deal it's just because of the cap space because we want to no, have- you want to give me a four-year deal with with a one-year team out team option on the end of it that given my age could really screw me to not be able to get into free agency earlier i think that there's an argument that getting a four-year deal is actually better than a five-year deal for siakam because of his age Uh, let me let's put it this way if if you have the type of year you had this year and are trending in that right direction and like continue on this path we have no doubt we want to give you the five-year max next summer and we just want to have that resulting cap flexibility that come with doing it next summer instead of now we're just trying to offer you the security now we're not we're not trying to get you to go get a three plus one offer sheet you know we'll probably be there next summer with a max qualifying offer like well well that then the whole that's probably not a great idea because then you're going to use up all your cap space they, anyway they changed that okay so we can't give you the max qualifying offer but and you could but you'd no, just be vaporizing right, all right, your space anyway right. we're not yeah. looking for you to go chase an offer sheet though is the main point we want to give you a five-year max if we do it now there's a little more risk on our end and we and a lost opportunity to spend that money next summer so we'd like something in return if we do it next summer then we'll have that spending power and we'll give you the five-year max then we want to keep you we're giving you multiple terms of how we can do it we want to keep you for five years that is absolutely our plan all right well we'll see whether pascal agrees right after this you know football season has started nba season you're probably planning out right now if you're a fan what games you want to go to and if you've been listening to this show for a long time you know that SeatGeek, the inaugural sponsor of this podcast back in 2015 is the place to get tickets they rate each deal on a scale of one to ten and displays them on an interactive seat map so green dots mean good deals red dots uh, are overpriced if you think about it, this is going to save you a ton of time right you used to go into that stadium diagram and have to click on each seed and see how much it was try to decide whether it's a good deal or a bad deal now you just look in the general area you want to sit look for that big green dot click on that and trust that that is the best deal that's available every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop with confidence they've got over 50,000 five-star reviews uh, on various platforms i use SeatGeek regularly not just for sports but for live music comedy Whenever I want to take my wife to a game, SeatGeek is always the first place that that I'm going to look. And they'll even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase via that familiar promo code CAPSPACE. Don't forget that because it lets them know that you came from us. That's promo code CAPSPACE for $10 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Yeah, that's really tough to to me. I mean, I think especially the idea that it doesn't, you're not willing to guarantee it if I make an all-star team. I mean, that's like, like you've already, if, if I make an all-star team, you've actually already gotten more production than my max salary at, in one of the years at the beginning. So I think that's like, like if I make an all-star team at any point between now and the end of that fourth year, that fifth year has got a guarantee, or I'm just going to go into restricted free agency with the three plus one offer sheet in mind. All right. How about this? Maybe, maybe this is the compromise. If you make an, no, no, I, I already said what the compromise. <laughs> well, let me just throw this out there. Cause I thought of this. <laughs> if you make two all-star star games 
in the first three years or the all-star game in year four it guarantees um well so there's we basically have five years including this year so uh, i would say uh, yeah i'm talking about, about during about, the extension so it's a five-year extension next year doesn't won't apply but if in year one two or three you make two all-star games or in year four you you make the all-star game then the fifth year will guarantee all right well i i'm fine with that let's just include next year in that too though so three out of so three out of the four no no right two two all-star teams over the next five seasons no 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 no. or or the season before no no it's gotta be two in the first three all right enough of this you're i've i've already gone you're nickel and diming me here i've gone so far beyond trying to be nice getting all-star production and you're not willing to pay for it i'll see you next summer this is ridiculous like this is not how you treat the centerpiece here we appreciate you waiting for next summer so we can use this cap space to build around you i'm glad we're on the same page just remember gordon hayward that's all i gotta say we offered you the five years kind of all right, that was contentious. Who's next? <laughs> it wasn't contentious at our end. I, <laughs> well, well it's, I mean, it's, the feelings, feelings could definitely be hurt. I've done everything right. Uh, that, that's the type of player you take care of. I, I like, Where's Tim I, Connolly? I, I, why, why isn't he running this team? I, I like that it's kind of an old school negotiation in this, like a throwback in the sense that there is a real incentive for Toronto to wait. Like that's a really big difference because that used to be so much more prevalent to have a to have an, like a potential All Star caliber player that has a seven million dollar cap hold is wild, and I think I think that does open the door, especially because Toronto might have some lofty ambitions now that you know in summer of twenty twenty or twenty one now that Kawhi is gone. So I could see that flexibility being really valuable to them depending on where they want to where they want to go if yeah. they want to po- possible Giannis destination <clears throat> maybe although but that's but that's summer of 2021 not 2020 so yeah uh when it won't really matter uh so yeah i, don't know. I mean they got 80 million in cap space that's like if you that's a lot of money yeah. well they have 80 million they, they, in cap space depending it. on what they do with guys like i mean because because yeah. they could theoretically like let's say keep lowry and then clear out still have more than enough for a max guy or something like that it, it's interesting n- yeah n- no i, I mean and, and what do you guys think happens with this one in real life my best guess is going to be five years max no options i think they yeah. i think they have a handshake deal i think they do like Kawhi with the spurs and drummond with the pistons i think that's what happens and then Masai keeps the flexibility they make him hold next summer that is my yeah. very supposedly close second guess <laughs> supposedly even Kawhi with the handshake deal was not happy about the way that went even which i think is kind of ridiculous frankly because it, you know they got the team so much better to do it that way but i think there's uh, supposedly that was that was like the beginning of the end i think there's a decent chance he got upset with other things and then decided hey i'm gonna come up with more reasons that i've been upset and maybe Quite maybe wasn't so upset about that one, but i don't know maybe maybe there was some trust that eroded with that all right so danny you're you're the uh blazers here scal you know i'm willing to take a little bit of a discount here how about uh you know the four-year max instead of five <laughs> i'm conflicted here my heart uh. says my heart <laughs> says to give you the max but no yeah i i don't think there's any kind of a, no. a an extension realistic the blazers low-key could actually have 15 or 20 million in space uh depending on what happens with rodney hood's option next year so uh this will be an interesting one Dejounte murray with uh oh hey dan feldman so <laughs> <laughs> um spurs could be a cap space team small cap hold again about seven million um but we'll see i mean the realistically the spurs haven't really gone into the cap space derby very often here um you know i was one of the best defensive guards in the league before my injury jumper was starting to come around uh people are really talking me up as having a big year there's a lot of teams that could use a defensive guard and restricted free agency next year spurs also t- take care of their own guys who develop 
Um, so, so what can you offer me, Spurs? So it's September 11th as we're talking about this, and I know that the timing of us recording this podcast can be a little tricky with the actual calendar, but here's the answer. There's no way we can talk about this till we see how you look in training camp, till we see how healthy you are, to see where you're at, at after missing the whole season. Like, we just can't. I mean, we could, if there's, even if there's a number that we thought, yeah, maybe we'll offer him a super low number, he won't have to prove himself in training camp, maybe that appeal to him, if you were willing to take it, that'd be such a big red flag because we just don't know exactly where your health is now. So if we offered what we thought was a super low number and you took it, then that would like be telling on yourself that you're not healthy, that you're not ready. So maybe there's an extension to be struck before this regular season starts. I just don't see how we can get anywhere before training camp starts. Well, I mean, this my knee got injured in the preseason last year, so this is just one year afterwards. I, I think you know, we're both of us have to do some projecting here for you to say, oh well, he doesn't look great in the preseason in his first action after a year. Uh, you know, usually it takes as much as a year. Some research has shown that it can take about a year after you return to really get back to where you were. But I, you know, considering how good I was defensively and the, the path that I was on, you know, players, especially at a young age, generally recover really well from ACL tears at this point in time. So, you know, what I, I, I think you're going to have to get past that. I mean, that, I don't think that's a, a realistic way to look at it. Certainly, there's got to be somewhat of a discount. We acknowledge that. I mean, let me ask you this. You know, what type of, what did you see as like his yearly salary if he had just continued to develop at the pace that he was already an all defensive level guard um, and you know, developing shooter and playmaker, still you know, very young as well? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, like what type of player is that without the injury? And then maybe we can determine that and, and we can work back with some kind of a discount or some kind of team protections uh, with an exhibit three or whatever. Right, so it's not just the injury. The, the the other thing was right before you got hurt, there was a lot of noise that your jumper had improved so much that you were going to have that breakthrough year. And, you know, I don't know. We just need to see a little more. How You got Chip Englund. Chip Englund <laughs> is, is a wizard. He's going to improve me. Just ha- have some faith in your player development for one Spurs. <laughs> Well, maybe that's why we don't need to pay you as much because we're so good at player development and we can get somebody cheaper. But but we do let's just say everything was coming together, right? That the the jumper was going to be falling at a reasonable rate. We didn't expect a miracle, but it was a, a reasonable rate and you're you're on track health-wise. I mean, we're probably looking at something like 20 million a year, but those are two huge ifs that we'll learn a lot more about and that's that's terms of your value, right? When I say 20 million, I'm not saying a 20 million extension. I think that's your value. So I think there's the risk on the team side more so locking into this extension. So we'd be offering you somewhere like 17 million a year, just a little give back uh, because we're taking the risk, guaranteeing you this life-changing money. I mean, that's the range we're on if things are working. Without things are like without this evidence in front of us that we just can't see for another month and a half, now we're talking like below a little below 15. And if you're willing to take that, then we're concerned. No, I, I think it would be, you know, I agree with you on, on the 20 million a year. I mean, look, look at Ricky Rubio just got 17 million a year for three years. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. Like, like yeah. you saw how incredibly this is really the first point guard uh, of any quality to come up here, and there are no other point guards in restricted free agency. There are point guard needy teams, especially with some some defensive capability. So, I mean, you guys are looking at a big downside here. Now, you know, I realize I I could be too, but you know, I agree with what you're saying about the twenty million. I mean, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, th- like these are 
guys who are just you know every point guard got paid you know four or five million a year more than we kind of thought even guys on the backup range um so you know i agree with you with the 20 million i'd be willing to go down to 17 million a year just with the injury issue but no more than that um i think that's you know 20 million a year healthy and give a three million dollar a year discount for uh because of the injury you know i think that that's where we'd be willing to go but i can't go any lower than that uh so it, you you could do that deal or not so it's similar to the situation the kings brought up with buddy healed which is yes uh you know you're a nice player to have no question but they also had another player in bogdanovich at the same position we also have Derek white and you know you both look like good promising young players we don't want to get locked in to having you at a number that's a burden a burden in terms of your value and it turns out that Derek White is the better player and the guy we're riding with like because we have Derek White too yes there is downside if we lose you no question but because we have Derek White it's not so bad and we just can't go that high right now all right I I think that's uh that's one that I think you're messing up uh you know I mean from from my own perspective here you know I do think people are probably overstating the production that Murray is probably going to have but I mean when you just consider like a guy with decent point guard skills and size who's all defense uh again the, the way the point guard market has exploded you know I thought I was offering you a pretty good deal there what, what do you think Danny I, I think I'm a little bit lower on Murray's free agent value than you are Nate I, I'd say I'm probably still between you and Feldman but the problem is that yeah Murray's a great defender but we're still not confident that he can do the most important thing that a point guard in the in any era should do which is run an NBA offense and I I think that that could be there and I you know Murray could end up getting a huge amount of money next summer it's also another reason why Charlotte paying Terry Rozier was a mistake anyway but I'm not sure of that and you know an old defensive player who who you have to have another ball handler to actually be a good team is just not that valuable so I wouldn't I would be reluctant to commit right now as well yeah and actually looking at some of the teams that are out there pretty much all of them have committed at point guard either with recent draftees or guys that they just signed a big money in free agency so you know, maybe maybe Toronto is on that list depending on what happens with Lowry uh you know maybe Knicks. Washington if John Wall just never gets healthy again but who are you saying Phoenix Knicks. oh Knicks yeah I mean I guess they're rolling with Dennis Smith Alfred Payton they could could get into that but it seems like the Knicks will be doing the 2021 plan yeah uh yeah I, I mean so I I still thought that would be a, a pretty good deal I think yeah I'm this is another one I'm just fascinated to see where it goes um dan does the the cap space aspect with the spurs come into it at all yeah a little i mean i mean yeah i mean it's just so uncertain i mean there's going to be extension talks with demar Derozan, see where that goes and what what direction they want to go i do believe you know that the spurs because they have greg popovich because he can prop up a slightly lesser roster should be prioritizing the present and so you know it doesn't make sense to take a step back at some point using cap space is a little riskier or trying to go that route it might mean taking a step back and wasting a year of having this coach who can get i won't say any team in the playoffs but far more teams in the playoffs than the average coach can all right let's uh damian jones i assume we don't have to spend any time on him nope. number 30 overall pick but we do have some interesting guys here as potential extension candidates who are not on rookie scale contracts 
Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich, we weren't able to agree. Uh, they offered him basically the max that they could. He wasn't going to take that that maximum again. Four years, $51.4 million. Sterling Brown, any interest in some extension talks there? Uh, Dan Feldman, Bucks here? Bucks here. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe a little, but I'm guessing the way uh, you as an agent think aren't going to have much interest. I mean, we're, we're yeah, not sure. It's a little different for, for second-round guys. Uh, and especially guys on a good team as well. So you might, you know, I think something along the line, I mean, looking, for example, and also just those guys just don't have the same market in restricted free agency if they're not just like automatic bonafide starters. So, you know, something along the lines of like what Dorian Finney-Smith got is something I, I could be interested in, you know, four to five million a year. Yeah, um, I mean, we're we're looking at like slightly above the minimum or maybe even Okay, yeah, like, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Semi Ojale, Boston any interest that you do have a another year after this one as a team option but you could make me a, a restricted free agent i think it could have some value around the league although with boston's deep wing rotation i haven't had as much chance i mean i was a quality player in the playoffs two years ago yeah i mean same situation when you got a guy who's like on the fringe of the rotation it's just hard to lock in uh royce o'neill with the jazz danny we're still figuring out the wing rotation but if you if you're willing to do something in the four million dollar a year range for a nah, while that's that's way too low okay. i mean he's he's got shot it well from three you know pretty good defensive player in the playoffs you know i i mean i, I think the the richardson might be a little bit rich but i mean eight to nine million a year is what it, what it, i mean i'd go as far i'd go as far than, as six that was what that six was the max offer in my head i was thinking like two i'd add to add two years 12 million something like that I'll about a two plus one at six million a year i mean i think i'm definitely better than like rodney magruder right and the jazz don't really have any cap space aspirations next summer uh to u- utilize the low cap hold i mean i guess let's see what would happen if they if conley opted out well, if Conley opts out, I think they're still going to retain him. So then they don't really get the benefit there. One would hope. Yeah, I mean, the Jazz could have thirty-four million in space if Conley opts out. Maybe he doesn't like it there or something. But and then O'Neill's cap hold actually could be valuable. Um, pretty small cap hold. Yeah, I, I think if adding that player option on it, that I, I'm not so confident that we're going to get burned on price that I'm that I'm willing to give that up right now. So I'm going to hold it the two for twelve. If you're willing to take it, then I'm happy. If not, then we'll we'll keep rolling. Yeah, Royce is going to be. 27 oof how about just a straight three years then at six million let's lower it to let's lower it to 5.5 so all that man this this is a situation where this is a guy that i like a lot better but i'm just he's not going to start this year again hasn't gotten paid yeah i mean that's a problem um and just these types of players always seem to end up lower than where you'd hope i mean you you just have to yeah i guess i guess i gotta do it which is so that's uh, that's three years 16.5 million kind of a bummer i think he actually is worth a lot more than that but kind of just the situation i mean this is almost like kind of a football thing with like a, a a running pack where you just like the market may not be there you haven't made anything yet you know especially if you're not one of these first round draft picks in football so yeah all right um who's up next here dylan brooks Brooks was actually the rookie who played the most minutes in the 17-18 season, but then battled injuries. And there's just so much congestion in the Memphis rotation right now. I don't think there's really a number that we can come to, you know, a mutually acceptable one at this point. Though. I know you guys seem to believe in, in me a lot. You uh, you wouldn't trade me to Phoenix, as, as you'll recall. <laughs> you're the, you're clearly the superior Brooks, but that doesn't. You can, it, I, I think if you're willing to take something in the like three to three million dollar, maybe four million dollar range, we would do it. But we just don't think you 
you, we think you'd rather play out the string a little bit. If you want to do that, you know, if you uh, want to do two years, seven million. I, I mean, I've I've started for you guys basically whenever I've been healthy. So that's like yeah. But that, you look at the teams that you were starting on. We have we we have John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Now we think. Yeah, we I can, mean, I'm really I'm a three though. I'm your starting. I, I I might start for you guys at the three this year. You realize you might, that you right? might. I mean, we have Andre Guadal and he's going to report to training, or we're going to try to make him report to training camp. So we'll see about that. But well, if the if that's all you can do, uh, get ready to say Brooks was here after I leave in restricted free agency. Next up is Dwayne Bacon. I don't think there's anything to talk about there. He's just we just need to see what he does this year. He's one of those players, you know. We see him. He's actually, incidentally, Malik Monk is probably going to be in that conversation at some point too. Of just like there's just too much uncertainty, and maybe you earn it, but then you can get it in restricted free agency. Uh, Jenny Osmond uh, has a cap hold of five million. Cleveland projecting to be a cap space team next uh, off season could have over forty million in space, even with that cap hold. Um, but would still have room for a max offer if we agree on a reasonable extension. Most you could offer again is uh, four years, fifty-one million. And I mean, I've been started for you on the wing. I showed some development last year, so I, I'm looking for right at that four-year, fifty-one million dollar number. Yeah, I don't think this is going to go well. The number we had written down were about half that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Wessa Windu was in the rotation, playoff rotation player. Yeah, probably not. Uh, He's done better in the NBA than I expected, uh, but just probably not there enough to go beyond near minimum to really entice a player. Yeah, I would say uh, he's played more in the NBA than I had expected. There you go. Um, he's been better than I thought. Maybe it's expectation. Yeah, I mean, like he he didn't he didn't kill them. That's true. They, they actually were able to play well with him on the floor. Which uh... all right. Well, <laughs> what, what do you guys? So so should we? Let's just run through these again one more time um brandon ingram no deal uh we were within about 12 million at four for 78 and four for 90 jalen brown did get done four for 92 uh 3.5 million per season and unlikely incentives so will be reported as four for 106 uh chris dunn feldman laughed healed got done four for 82 with two million dollars per season based on advancing the playoffs up to four per 90 four for 90 um Sabonis got pretty close four for 66 and four for 72 but we couldn't get there Sharich actually agreed those are actually I think the two most unrealistic ones that Sabonis didn't agree after getting that close and Sharich did at four for 40 with a 25 percent guarantee on the final season and then our only other one that we got to was uh three years 16.5 million for Royce O'Neal um didn't really even get down to to brass tacks uh on any of these other, I guess Siakam was the other one uh where we were close but uh could not get a deal done with a full five-year max or or and couldn't even get a the fifth year guaranteed if I made the all-star team in one of those years so uh so so that's where we were what do you any thoughts on this uh overall guys in terms of trends that that emerged through the, this exercise I thought it was interesting the number of extension talks that are influenced by other players on the roster uh you know Brandon Ingram with the public of well can he be the player they need uh you had uh buddy healed with bogdanovich uh you have the spurs two point guards sabonis and miles turner on the pacers there's so many players where it's like yes we'd like to keep you but if we don't we have other options at your position 
Yeah, and then you throw in the teams that I think the cap space issue with Siakam was a huge one. Mm-hmm. I my guess on Siakam is that maybe you kind of get more around the Giannis Gobert type of thing, the four years at a little bit less than the max. That maybe that's what where it could end up. I mean, eighty million in cap space is a lot to use. You know, it still would have sixty million if he uh, if he does sign. And then also, you know, it could be Toronto just wants to roll their space over because it's not really an outstanding free agent group next summer anyway so who's toronto really going to be getting uh you know maybe maybe they go after some restricted free agents but they don't get them maybe they just roll the space over anyway so i don't know that they need all of that space maybe larry will extend um well and, and that ties in with my my big challenge both thinking about this in prep and on the show is the balance between a terrible free agent class and a very small group of potential suitors. I, I, I'm working on a, I'm working on a few pieces on this. It's, See, I, I disagree with you. I think there are a lot more suitors than you would typically have. In well, there are more suitors for restricted free agents, but the teams that they are are kind of specific. You know, like Atlanta, for example, they're going to be looking. They, they'll be in the market for some of these guys. Like I think they'll be looming for Ingram and looming for maybe. T- yeah, the wings. The yeah. wings are the ones who are going to yeah, have, like Jalen Brown, but who are going to have multiple options. I think, but. You know, like Buddy Heald, Jakob Pertl, Sabonis. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying those guys. You know, they're they're going to be left out in the cold because they probably won't be. But it's a lot harder to say. Oh, I'm definitely getting this kind of an offer. And unless you're as good as like Siakam, where Siakam has confidence because that offer will materialize because he's awesome. So I I had trouble with that. That is definitely as Nate, and this is a really good point. That I'm more concerned about that if I were the agent of an unrestricted free agent, just because of timing and age. But it is a real concern here because I always think about restricted free agency as like falling in love. Like that's you. Have have to you have to really be positive because of all the opportunity costs you're giving up and unless it's that harsh pragmatism of hey any one of these guys is better than the unrestricted guys that we can get four days earlier then maybe it happens but i mean how confident are you as jalen brown or ingram that you are the guy for the hawks or the grizz i guess yeah the grizz or toronto or phoenix or i mean there's a lot of teams out there i I think that's um and and certainly though we talked about this when the lavert extension came down that and there's going to be okay if one guy takes an extension then that probably makes it less likely that someone else does because now you know especially among these wing players it's kind of it's ingram and it's brown and that's you know that's basically it i mean prince i guess a little bit the other thing that i thought was interesting dan was you know you guys evaluation of these guys as the team i think this came into, into play with murray maybe you could say with prince you know we'll see what what the nets think of him um you know i thought in some cases you guys evaluation of them was lower than the team that had invested these resources to either bring these guys in or develop them over the years so i thought maybe some of the offers were a little bit lower on some of these guys there yeah it definitely could be i tried to bridge a balance between what i thought of a player and what i think a team thinks of him just because it's so hard yeah. to tell from the outside exactly what a team thinks of a player yeah i mean the spurs love to jack their own guys up for sure but you know everything you heard about murray before the acl was all this guy's like the going to be the next star and his jumper is going along so well and blah 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 so uh you know i think i did get 17 million a year the spurs would do that one um whereas maybe you don't but i could be wrong about that i i don't know how conservative they're feeling about it or whether they are thinking demar Derozan is gonna be back next year or whatever so um all right anything else here before we go 
I just got to say how much more pleasurable this one is from the team's perspective because you are such a hardline agent in free agency and so lenient on extensions because you've talked about it many times. Your belief is that players should cash in and get those life-changing money. Uh, and man, it's like so difficult to go against you in free agency once they're already on the market. But now it's much easier. Well, I mean, you say that, but we reached one, two, four deals. Sure, sure. I, that, which is much lower than, uh, although I guess three have been done already. So if we reach four and three are done already, that's pretty close to the average. You're usually kind of in the like six to nine range in a given year of the number of deals done. Although Royce O'Neill probably doesn't count necessarily because he wasn't a, a first round rookie skill guy. Yeah, I'm not saying but, like yeah. you're like crazy on it or anything. I'm just saying you skew a little bit toward yeah. uh, locking in on extension and skew toward playing very hard line hardball in uh in free agency yeah well i mean i've also i mean part of the reason i do that is because i've got three other bidders there right, right. now and i'm in, in this case i'm i don't have that you know that's the, the obviously the difference in an extension and and you know i understand the point of an extension is to reduce risk on both sides so i think i'm willing to take a discount there um and I've also just been critical of a lot of agents for not taking extensions when they probably should. So, um, yeah, I mean, of these, you know, I mean, including the negotiations and the deals that got done, the, the ones that, that didn't, what do you think is most likely to become the biggest regret, either an agreed to or not agreed deal from the team side, Danny? Part of me thinks Ingram, just because especially Ingram feels to me like somebody who's going to get a big offer, whether or not it's a good idea. So if if the Pelicans could get him at a number that they're happy with, be, maybe helped by the DVT, and obviously there's a lot of information that they have there that we might not. But I could see I could see that one where maybe the numbers we talked about were just so far different from where it goes. But I mean, I, there there were structural reasons why that was the case. But if we're talking about variance between where we were and where things go, that that's the one that stuck out to me. What about you, Dan? That's a good question. I hmm. I want to say maybe Dejounte Murray because he yeah, got, that's a good one too. He has a lot of the tools, right? And everything comes together. And really regret not locking in when could have done it at a, a good price uh now maybe everything doesn't come together there's a lot of potential there and then the other possible one is siakam uh, but it just seems like he and the raptors despite his agent being so difficult today are just generally on good terms and we'll figure that out next summer so I, i'd say Dejounte murray yeah that would be my pick there as well ingram i think in real life that's the one that might be most likely <laughs> to backfire for the team if they do agree <laughs> on one because of just the fit issues and the fact that he just may not be that good overall then you throw in the health as well you know there's certainly a lot of, of Andrew Wiggins potential there and, and but the biggest thing is the fit and then you know between Ball Ingram and Zion that's uh I mean I think if they that's one of those ones where I feel like hey you can always pay him later and hey if someone wants to offer him the max eh, let him go it's not the end of the world especially because you just traded for the guy I mean I think he could be pretty good but uh you know, or maybe there's a sign and trade out there for him, you know, something along the lines like the Brogdon deal next next year. But I think the, the risk, I think I said this before, but the risk of signing him and committing to him to me is bigger than the risk of him blowing up because of all those fit issues and that he's, you know, 
at best your third biggest piece agreed and it's you know i do think it's interesting that we go through this in draft order which probably mirrors reality a little bit and has something to do with everything you're saying about ingram there's still this anchoring effect of he was the number two pick yeah and maybe maybe we should do this next year of just do them in the ranking that i have them as restricted free agents as opposed that's probably actually a more realistic way to do it you think so Um, because i do think draft order still trickles into how people think about these guys sure no i I agree but i mean you know to have pascal siakam be at the end you know he's he is the number one domino that's going to fall here i think you know that's like and then those guys are going to affect what some of the other guys get too and that's why the lavert thing was so weird that he agreed in august to uh you know a deal that i think a lot of people might have said was pretty team friendly um as far as players anybody you see is like they would regret not taking the offer that was made the first one for me is sabonis just yeah. because there's so much downside risk. I mean, if he's just a guy this year and and doesn't really put it forward, because remember how centers usually work. You know, let's yeah. say let's say he's a center. If you're in the higher group, like Clint Capella, who was much better the year that he was a pending restrictive free agent than Sabonis was, he got you know he didn't get paid that much money. So for Sabonis, I, I think I think this is a time to lock in, unless he's like so unhappy with the situation that he doesn't want to commit. But it's it's just a ton of money. Like that that's the one for me that yeah and, and i'll tell you what if if it were just me i was really his agent and i wasn't trying to be a pretend agent and be realistic i would have absolutely taken that offer but i i didn't see him taking it due to the role issues and just you know it seems like everyone is like really high on him i'm just not i mean i think he's a backups a very good backup center but a backup center and especially i mean or he's a starting center on a team that doesn't have deep playoff aspiration i mean in in a very uh direct way it could be brandon ingram just because of the health issues now yeah. he'll probably if he stays healthy then he'll probably get a ton of money as a restricted free agent i don't think he left a ton on the table but in terms of health uh, that's just a real clear direct way for that to go wrong uh and then you know i do think pascal siakam will fare very well in restricted free agency next summer if it goes there but it's also the most money he left like he left more money on the table than anyone else and so there's just naturally risk with that um yeah and i think as ingram if i were his agent i might have very seriously considered taking that deal or negotiating a little bit harder i mean you know we don't have two months to hammer out the injury protections and stuff like that for someone like ingram where i think if we had a little more time we might have been able to find a construction that was more palatable to both sides but uh we didn't there all right well uh thanks guys Uh, this is awesome um dan have a good time overseas Uh, have a a uh good trip to going somewhere where there isn't melted cheese i assume yes wisconsin where there is no cheese at all And then Europe, also not known for its fine cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's just regular cheese is fine, though, right? I mean, you just said we like don't have two months to hammer out all this. But if you want, I could go over <laughs> exactly what type of cheese I will eat, which ones I won't, in what conditions. Uh, or we could not. Up to you. Uh, you know, maybe we'll save that for our Patreon <laughs> So, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and thanks again for, for coming on. Uh, looking forward to having you on for uh, the Pistons at some point in October when you're back. And uh, stay tuned for uh, Christian Pelotier starting right now. And I'm going to intro him, so I don't know why I just ended it that way. So here he is now by popular demand after the crazy events usa and serbia losing hey at least uh our usa versus serbia preview uh wasn't for naught because they're gonna just play each other uh, in the road to the fifth place game yeah wow uh crazy crazy four games and i think i feel like the entire uh, country of argentina attacked me for saying like hey 
Argentina is probably not going to be the better matchup against the U.S. Uh, would have been fun to see Serbia U.S., but obviously I had no idea. That, you know, France was going to win too, even though we did preview that. You know, that may that game may be a toss-up, but um, uh, gotta be honest though. I mean, uh, credit to Argentina, and neither one of us saw that coming. But it's one of those situations where uh, one team clearly knew who they were and what their strengths were, and Serbia had been kind of, you know. Uh, saving its pieces throughout the tournament, and they did not have a lot of reps with its best lineups, and they just did not look ready uh, against Argentina. So credit to Argentina, and and I'm glad to be wrong. I'm very happy that uh, to see this Argentina play team play this well. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that in a moment. But, but I think our American listeners probably want us to hit on the U.S. Sure, losing. I mean, really. They probably should have lost three games when you look at the, that loss in Australia. Uh, the Turkey game definitely should have lost that one. And obviously this France game, although I, you know, I, I woke up, I saw what the score was. I started watching it and, uh, it, it was good at least to feel like a little bit of anger still as a fan, uh, you know, cause the USA is still the one thing that I really like root for as a fan. But this clean, this team clearly, you know, didn't have it. And I think, you know, as constructed, offensively they just weren't good enough so my question to you you know before we get into a, a lot of the specifics of the game and, and obviously we got to give a lot of credit to the french players who, who were all of whom were wonderful um but is this u.s team with the players that they have was it like fait accompli that they were going to lose that it was just it, it was just going to happen did they just not have enough talent or did they have enough talent and they just didn't play up to their capabilities that they should have been at or they weren't coached their capabilities or whatever you think? Uh, good question. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to say from a small sample size in one game, but I would, I would say though that uh, kind of the same thing as I was just talking about Argentina versus Serbia, I think at the end, France uh, had a couple of looks they could throw out that they, you know, just were more comfortable with in terms of their identity. And when things got tough, uh, for the U.S. when they went down 10 in the third quarter. Then they went really small, and uh, but really athletic. So they had that lineup where, you know, Mitchell uh, was kind of the point guard, and then they had these, you know, very switchable guys, the rest of the four, four players. And they were awesome defensively in terms of switching. There were a couple of miscommunications with um, Fournier, which he punished for. I think there were, you know, three definite miscommunications during that time. France stayed big. Yeah. Uh, and, and France's plan was really good, too. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, like, the, the post-ups that they did completely caught the U.S. off guard, and the U.S. just wasn't tough enough or wasn't ready enough to deal with those plays. Yeah, and uh, that was even an issue later on. But France stayed big for this portion of, the, of what I'm talking about, and, and the U.S. Yeah. actually took a lead. But when France uh, took out their second center and made Batum, you know, play the four and kind of go bare, just be a five on his own, all of a sudden there was so much more room for those post-ups. And for that, the U.S. kind of didn't have a third option anymore. And I think they went small for a tad bit too long. But it was a cool battle of, like, small versus big throughout the game. In the first half, the U.S. went small for just a little while. It was kind of a no contest. I'm not even sure who won that stretch. The French hit a couple of crazy shots that I'm sure... The U.S. were very happy to give the French team, but uh, in the second half, you know, the U.S. won that uh, small versus ultra big battle. But then at the end, uh, when the French uh, had just Gobert and four shooters around, the U.S. had no answers for that. And 
And I mean, Gobert was sensational. Uh, we yeah. were kind of yeah. You you yeah. talked about how the key was to make him move around, which is mm-hmm. what Australia did, and that's what the U.S. with you know, I'd say a lack of imagination on offense, a lack of passing. Sure. You know, they they weren't able to do that, and lack of trust, I think, in their own system. I think they try to do the right stuff, but. Uh, their best players in general, especially offensively, Mitchell and Kemba Walker. And Kemba didn't have a great game, let's be honest. Oof. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, worry. yeah, but they're they're not uh, like I don't want to say willing passers, but they're not like automatic passers. Guys who no, uh, the, whip, I mean, the, who, whip the ball who's around. Who's the quickly. best passer on the team? Like Chris Chris Middleton is probably the best passer on the team, and he was not a focal point for them. Yeah, I think so. I'm. Uh, I think Jalen Brown made a couple of really good plays off the high post, but just looking at like a passer, and then he was able to, you know, attack the basket, especially against those zones uh, that we were talking about. But I agree. Um, and there weren't a lot of guys who are willing uh, players who give extra passes and just whip the ball around, and that was always a, an issue with this team. And I think it caught up to them in this game, especially like you said the. Uh, they had to figure out a way to move uh, Gobert around, and they were not able to do that. Yeah, I, I you know, getting back to my original question here of just the, the overall talent uh, on the roster. You know, Kirk Goldsberry made this point, which I think is a reasonable one. It's like, yeah, you know, Kemba Walker was third team All NBA, and you know a few other guys, but other than Joe Harris, like there wasn't really anybody on this team who's an efficient scorer. That's true. And uh, so in the NBA, and they didn't have anybody who could really get to the free throw line. I was surprised they actually took twenty one free throws, although they missed uh, they missed I think six free throws in the fourth quarter, which uh, didn't sunk their chances uh, as well. Um, the bigs, and so you know, so that that's one way of looking at it, this team just wasn't that good. But on the other hand, I mean. You know, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, like Brooke Lopez couldn't hit a shot. Like he was one of the best shooting bigs in the NBA. If he had made three pointers, and granted it's a small sample, but you know, he was like five out of 20 for the tournament. Uh, then he's on the floor and maybe the game changes uh, with the Gobert having to get out there and guard him. Certainly when he played for the Bucks, that was the case. Chris Middleton had some moments, but you know, overall a disappointing tournament for him. Kemba Walker got completely outplayed by Andrew Albasi and Frank Nilakina. He was two for nine. He had two turnovers where he just got the ball stolen from him in the backcourt by these French players. So, you know, I mean, who, you know, Nick is an okay defender, but like, I mean, you could at least expect him to dribble the ball up court. Right. Like, so, and I also felt like they didn't have much imagination offensively. It was just pick and roll at Gobert mid ranger or Jack a contested three and hope it went in, but they could only get up uh, a lot fewer threes than they had earlier in the tournament. Teams kind of adjusted to take that away because they didn't have the ability to drive to the basket as well. So, and then uh, they, but so you can say all that. I, I think it's a combination of the two. I think if all these guys had been playing at the top of their games at the level that they normally play at in the NBA, you know, this team could have been the favorite at least, but we, we just, we didn't see that. And we didn't see it against France. And, you know, a big part of that too was just, you know, Rudy Gobert was the, the best player on the floor and uh, DeColo and Fournier really, I thought played better than anyone uh, for the U.S. Uh, as well. And then the French got contributions from the depth. We thought that could be the weakness for them, but those guys outplayed their U.S. counterparts as well. So it was really, and it wasn't a fluky shooting game. They hit some, France hit some crazy shots, but they only finished eight out of 23 from three. So it was, uh, uh, and 
you know, to have to go with the lineup for 26 minutes of the game with no center, I mean, that's just, that's going to catch up to you eventually. It's not like they have like Draymond Green or PJ Tucker out there. That was a decent rant, mate. I'm in total agreement. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything else that stuck out to you about uh, what France did? I mean, other than, you know, I thought that just going right at U.S. players, Rudy Gobert in the post office switches, uh, even, you know, Matthias Lasor going at guys in the post. Um, any other things that you that really stuck out for you about the French effort? Um, I mean, it was crazy how good Fournier was, again, even though I don't think yeah. he kicked the ball out once on his drives. So I think the U.S. had a lot of opportunities to kind of change their defense when Fournier was driving because he was never going to make a pass to the weak side. So he could really, you know... Uh, yeah pack the paint once he, you know, starts driving and starts going into the paint because the only thing he could see was kind of Gobert's uh, lob sometimes but uh, or his own finish. And Gobert is just not the best finisher out of those situations where, he, where he's forced to kind of wait for the ball and ask for the ball up top and up high because uh, his yeah. hands aren't great. And that was the one thing he was struggling with in the first half a little bit. But then he was able to finish a couple of his, you know, missed yeah, I mean, he made more plays than he usually makes. Yeah. I mean, he made a sure. couple of a couple of drives to the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, he was. It never looked pretty with him, mm-hmm. but you know, he was just too strong for guys, and it was just carving out too much space inside. And you know, a couple buckets, or he's able to put it on the floor and uh, and add some value there too. Uh, you know, um, I mean, Ducolo, I thought was great too, just uh, handling the ball. Um, and but it really it did come down to Gobert. I mean, Gobert was yeah. plus twenty six in thirty four minutes. Yes, and also credit to Colet for playing him thirty four minutes. Most FIBA coaches don't play their guys that many minutes. Absolutely, and obviously the time that he was off the floor, the U.S. was clearly the better team. So clearly, clearly it came down yeah. to him, and uh, uh, and also you know I think some uh, some credit has to be given to Nila Kinabu. Looked like a completely oh, yeah. different player in the fourth quarter. In the first three quarters, he looked kind of like the NBA's, NBA version of him, meaning that he's a good defender. But when the U.S. put a little bit a little bit of pressure on him and he was forced to initiate the offense, it, it wasn't pretty and it was kind of, you know, sketchy at best. Uh, but also, I think it was a good move by Cole to kind of rest up DeColo and, uh, and Fournier so that they didn't have to bring the ball up and Neil Kinnock could do that. But in the fourth quarter, he had huge shots, a big floater, and a big uh, a big drive, and a, a big three. Uh, and that kind of, you know, I think snapped the U.S. backs, uh, you know, for the final time. And those were big shots, and we hadn't seen that in, in the NBA. And, you know, the kid does have potential. Uh, there are some rumors he's some sort of a head case, but, but uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, I don't know the kid personally. He, he may not be, but, but credit to him. He played a great game. Yeah, it, he he was really good too, and I mean, it, it was uh, you know the U.S. again. You know, I thought they didn't play that well. You know, the, if they didn't shoot that well, but they just they didn't have a way to generate efficient offense. Like they had one dunk in this game, which was a fast break for Mitchell. Their defense wasn't forcing turnovers, and then the glass too. We had talked about how that, mm-hmm. despite the the fact that the rebounding numbers were really good for the U.S. overall, that you know Miles Turner is a bad defensive rebounder, and Gobert was getting a lot of inside position and. Uh, they ended up getting 13 offensive rebounds and 19 defensive rebounds for the U.S. So that was another huge problem. Uh, that was the difference. And then, you know, missed layups, partially the Gobert factor. There are 15 out of 30 on layups the U.S. was, uh, or, or around the basket, I should say. So it all, uh, 
Uh, I mean, they just didn't have anything to hang their hat on uh, at the end. And, you know, they couldn't withstand a team playing a little bit above their potential. And, you know, they don't, the margin for error just wasn't there. So I, I think uh, they, they justifiably lost. And, you know, maybe they, they could have done a little bit better of a job of selecting the team. And, you know, I don't know that Greg Popovich did made some adjustments. I think certainly, you know, he was willing to go smaller and, and they fixed this fixed his own offense. But, you know, you can't say that this is a feather in his cap, this, this uh, quarterfinal exit either. No. And kind of a final point, uh, not necessarily related to this, but uh, also, you know, the U S has never gotten an advantage of knowing how to kind of work the FIBA rules and the FIBA referees. And I think the French got a definite advantage from some of the offensive fouls they were able to draw and some other sketchy plays that, you know, I'm sure guys were wondering like, what was that whistle about where, you know, it's, it's a different game and it's called a little differently. And the French players were able to get some advantage from that. And obviously, you know, the final possession where, uh, the U S inbounded from the front court to the back court, thinking it's legal in FIBA games and obviously wasn't. So that would kind of, you know, uh, finished, finished the situation in a, in a very, you know, uh, story like fashion. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's reasonable to expect that U.S. players playing in a different rules than they normally do are going to, uh, you know, have a little bit of a drop-off from uh, what they could do in the NBA, but they usually have so much talent, it, it doesn't matter. So I'm very I think that's an excellent point, what you just made, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you, you look at guys like Middleton, for example, it's a different ball, you know, they're, they're Brooke Lopez, it's like, Brooke also, you know, he he said, had some comments that Pop, you know, didn't really use him the way the Bucks did. I think they, you know, spacing him and and Turner out might have been a little bit better usage. But you know, the the pick and roll for the U.S. just wasn't there. They didn't have that guy with the gravity at the rim to really open things up for Walker or for Mitchell um, and suck suck the defense in and open up those passes on the backside. That you know, it was Harrison Barnes trying to roll to the basket, and he's that's not something that he's like. Uh, that good at but uh anything else on that you want to talk a little uh serbia and argentina here um i think kind of my final point was the u.s did go back to to kind of the players who had brought them to that point uh throughout the tournament i personally looking back you know in 2020 hindsight i would have left kemba off the floor and kind of kept that uh really versatile lineup that i was talking about with that with that length i think they would have had a better that's better shot because they win the game they they weren't switching with screen rolls involving him. Yep. And whenever that happened, then, you know, their conventional pick and roll defense, Harrison Barnes trying to play conventional pick and roll defense doesn't have the size or the rim protection. He had one block, but that, that was about it. And then, you know, when they did try and switch other times, they weren't, uh, they didn't get into guys' bodies enough. They were, didn't do a good enough job of that either. They weren't connected enough. So, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, they, they really got out executed, out passed. I mean, they just, it was a loss in, Every possible way, and also credit to Cole and some of the tactical stuff. Like yeah. I, I, I talked about how how he went with only the one one center, but they all also uh, played a lot of plays uh, and threw in some sets that are very hard to play against against the, or that are very hard to switch against. And they attacked with Fournier have, uh, from ball screens where, where there were two guys on the left side instead of one. Which obviously, you know, when you use the ball screen, especially if it's close to the wing and you got two behind, two guys behind you and two defenders also behind you, it creates a giant gap to attack that switch, uh, yeah. and that you know gave some lanes to Fournier to you know finish some layups. 
All right, so what happened in this Argentina-Serbia game that, uh, I mean, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is Serbia, again, 8 out of 28 three-point shooting. They were 3 out of 17 in the loss to Spain, uh, and Argentina shot the lights. I think they were 11 out of 27. But uh, aside from that, what really stuck out to you in that one? Uh, Facundo Campazzo. Yeah. He was he was just magical. Uh, just the way he controlled the floor. Uh, we did discuss last time how Serbia is very, very vulnerable in the pick-and-roll defense involving Stefan Jovic, and Jovic was the guy defending Campazzo for most of the game, and he, he got hit by every screen like like he's done throughout his career. Uh, Campazzo had you know all this floor space to, to work with, and he just made great, great decisions time after time, and then at the end of the game, it was so fun to see him and Luis Gola played these two main games that Serbia just had absolutely zero, zero answers for. But it wasn't just, you know, those two because they got huge contributions from uh, Luka Vildoza. And, and and I don't think Nicolas Laprovidola had, had the uh, best game, but Luka Vildoza, you know, really, really stepped up. As did Gabriel Deck, who's uh, not a traditional kind of foreman. He's played kind of the three. He's not the most talented player, but... He's one of those guys who doesn't need the ball. He just kind of do, does his job, does the dirty work, uh, tries to you know punish some mismatches, goes for the offensive glass, and but especially defends well and communicates well. And it was just fun to see you know a team that really knew uh, what their strengths were, uh, how to you know get the most out of each other uh, versus a team that that was uh, full of talent but did not have that common of an identity. That kind of you know try try to play cute almost and and uh, you know hadn't really had enough preps throughout the tournament with their best lineups to actually you know see, find a common way of playing and it caught up to them earlier than we were expecting yeah i, I mean compazzo just to say what his line was 18 points three of six from downtown 12 assists and you know the fiba's scorekeepers are a lot stingier with those yep. than nba this is only uh 30 minutes uh, as well and three steals i thought he was uh, defensively he's undersized but he competes pretty hard kind of how will netto style for for nba people is kind of a similar uh style defensively you know had, had a couple of big steals on Jokic in the first quarter you know to really kind of set the tone defensively and uh yeah i mean he was just absolutely fantastic i uh really enjoyed watching i mean some of the passes that Argentina was throwing in this game, you know, between guys' legs and uh, just beautiful back doors. I mean, it kind of brought you back to that first Argentina team in 2002 that kind of caught everyone's uh, caught everyone's eye with the, how well they played together and the passing that they had. So it was really uh, incredibly impressive. And Scola, again, you know, 20 points for him is just, <laughs> the guy's like 40 years old. Yeah, 39. It's insane. Um so, yeah, and then for Serbia, I mean, I thought that Bielica had a really disappointing tournament Agreed. to me. Um, you know, and I thought he he was 5 of 17 in this one, but he really, you know, probably could have been more of a focus of their pick and roll game. Um, and the, they really, you know, they tried to go. Uh, Misic couldn't really get going. He had that, that death in the family, and Jokic, 31 minutes, but it wasn't really able to have uh, a huge effect 
on the game the way you would have hoped you know that he would be the best offensive player on the floor and he was the third best offensive player on the floor yeah and argentina immediately when the ball was going into Jokic, they literally sent five guys into the paint just to try to grab him <laughs> yeah. and, you know it, it, on occasions Jokic was able to finish it seemed like you know a dad in the driveway versus, versus kids and and uh, some of their friends or something it, it, it looked kind of silly some some uh, situations, but you know they got into his body on the catch, and five guys just went for the basketball, and Jokic had a tough time. Uh, but Serbia should have found found some way uh, to use Jokic almost as a threat off the ball because those shooters were open a lot of the time, but they really did not know how to uh, how to find uh, find those guys. And and again, credit Argentina, great great game plan, uh, knew what Serbia wanted to do, and like I. I think Bogdanovic didn't have, uh, you know, the greatest game of his career, but at the same time, I felt like he was the only one playing up to his level uh, on the yeah. Serbian team. Well, well, he's the only one on this team who has like any kind of athleticism yep. on, on the perimeter yeah. to defend either. You know, I mean, that's, that's true. It's a, it's a lot to to put on him. And I, I mean, I, he, I didn't think he was the reason they lost. No. So I think he, you know, he he delivered as much as could have been. He played well enough for them to win. Sure. I guess I'll put it that way. I mean. I guess the, I mean, the biggest thing, you know, 97 points in a relatively slow game there, uh, 60% on two pointers, 12 out of 27 from three. It was, uh, I misspoke when I said 11 earlier. So Serbia's defense has always been their Achilles heel in this tournament. And Argentina somehow has been like one of the better defensive teams in the tournament. I thought it was just an artifact of who they'd played, but uh, how are they able to actually like stop these guys? Excellent question. Is it just being connected de- defensively and, and uh, taking the ball out of Jokic's hands? Yeah, and, um, you know, just being on the same page. It's, you know, although, you know, they may not have the defensive personnel, Argentina, that is, to, you know, really hang in one-on-one situations often. But uh, when your entire defensive system is, it's uh, and everybody's kind of, you know, uh, pulling pulling from one string and they're moving at the same time and, they're on time, uh, you know, to their respective health positions. Um, you know, when the system is good enough and the players follow it, you can get, uh, you can make your unit a lot stronger than it is individually. And I think that's the case. What happened here, and uh, Serbia, on the other hand, was they almost try to defend situations uh, how the U.S. has defended sometimes, where you know guys are on an island but they're able to hang hang with their own guys and they can play those pick and roll situations just completely two on two or in the U.S. case, obviously they can switch. But with Jovic, he was, uh, as he's been, you know, as I've been saying that he, he's an issue and uh, Campazzo was, you know, fantastic against him. And um, Serbia at the very end of the game did put Bogdanovic on Campazzo, which I think they probably should have done earlier uh, for a majority of the time. But uh even Bogdanovic, I think, lost that one possession against against Campazzo. Uh, uh, and <laughs> the offense, you know, it was a clinic. It wasn't just, you know, fast breaks that Argentina was getting the easy points from. They were fighting dunks and open threes uh, consistently uh, against, you know, uh, the half-court defense, which should not happen in, in modern FIBA game. And 98 points, like you said, pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah, and I, I I certainly misspoke when I said that Serbia is vulnerable to athleticism, but they're more athletic than Argentina. That was not the case. I mean, Campazzo, mm-hmm. his energy, uh, Garino, who also had had an excellent game. Uh, you know, the, Serbia didn't really, uh, other than Bogdanovic, didn't really have anyone uh, like those guys who brought that level of energy, if not necessarily uh, 
athleticism. All right, so real quick here, what do you see uh, happening the rest of the way now since we're such uh, seasoned and accurate prognosticators uh, of this tournament? Oh, uh, exactly. Uh, I think we got we, we, we get a get a redo. Here. Yeah, I think we got two really really interesting uh, semifinals here. I think France, you know, with their athleticism, with their size, uh, should be uh, on paper uh, matchup wise a very very tough tough matchup for Argentina. I think France can switch a lot of situations. Uh, I think they can hang on the perimeter. They don't have you know a super weak link defensively, and they have you know Nilikina and and um, uh, I'll be seeing to really hound and, and disrupt Compazzo's play. So on paper, uh, personally, I, I probably have the French as favorites here and Gobert also, you know, handling Scola because a lot of, uh, almost throughout the game, the, the Argentina were at their best when Scola was playing center um, against Serbia. And I don't know how that's going to be an option option against uh, against France and again defensively matchup wise it's uh, looking tough in my opinion to see the ways Ar- Argentina can defend uh, maybe a, a team that does have more uh, evenly spread out weapons it's not like they have you know a monster and I mean Gobert is great inside like he showed against the US but uh, Radulica Jokic they're guys who you know thrive in the post Gobert's not like that and they probably don't have, you know, the pure shooter and athletic guy like Bogdanovich Fournier is, is more of a, you know, ball handler type of player. Um, so it's it's tough to say. On paper, I think I have the French's favorite still, but hopefully the entire nation of Argentina doesn't attack me again. But uh, but <laughs> uh, I think I have the French's slight favorites there. But if Argentina, you know, if they're if they're just more comfortable with their identity again and they're just, you know, executing better than they have every chance in the world to uh, make another upset, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you want to touch on this pairing as well? Yeah. 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 I mean, briefly, I think, you know, our, our Gobert's athleticism around the rim on pick and roll, I think it's going to be a major problem for Argentina. They have to commit a lot of resources uh, to stopping him. And then in the pick and roll against France, Gobert laying back at the rim. If I think you want to challenge Campazzo or anyone else, Lepervitola, whoever is running a pick and roll, to make a shot at the rim and say that that's if we're going to give up anything, it's going to be that. And you're either going to hear Gobert's footsteps, or you know he's he's going to be there and he can. Um, and they've got guys as well who can get over the screen. Obviously, Nilkin, as you said, who can continue to bother the guy from behind and say, "Hey, you, we're not going to give you that three up top." And we're going to make you make layups at the rim with Rudy Gobert. Maybe not overreacting to it, but at least in the area. Yeah. Um, so I, I do. I probably have France a more significant favor favorite than you do. I'm. Uh, I'm not as convinced yet by Argentina. And then other side of the bracket. Uh, hold on. Spain, just one one touch. And, yeah. One, go ahead. Sorry. One, one thing about you know that pick and roll situation. I think Argentina is well aware, and I think that's probably the most interesting tactical battle is how Argentina reacts. Are they going to start pick and popping with Scola? Or are they going to, you know, have the roller set some uh, screen for another player uh, during that situation to kind of make it a three-on-three situation instead of just a two-on-two where Gobert's uh, allowed to hang back? I think the U.S. was uh, unable to make Gobert move, and I think Argentina probably will have the tools and uh, readiness uh, to make that happen. Because if that's the case where Campazzo is literally forced to, you know, finish at the rim and that's the only thing that they can throw out, I think France is 
definitely going to be be comfortable and, and win that game. But but I think Argentina will have some wrinkle uh, to yeah. to you know get Gobert out of there. But we'll see. But I agree. I think I have the French favorites, but not as significant as probably you do. Yeah, and Argentina. I mean, their passing, their smarts yep. uh, is obviously something that has served them well uh, over many years and in this tournament. Also, um, other side of the bracket, we talked about that. I think we saw Spain and Australia happening, so I don't think we need to hit that. And then, uh, you know, who do you like now to win the tournament overall? I honestly feel like every single team has at least a 50% chance to win this win this tournament. Uh, huh. I really do feel there are a lot of scenarios where uh, any team can, you know, win two more games. Uh, I think looking overall, though, uh, at what has happened so far. I think Spain and Australia have A, the talent, and B, the uh, clear understanding of their identity that I do like the like the pairing of, of, of that semifinal winner winning the whole thing. But uh, again, uh, Australia, France was extremely tight that, you know, didn't, wasn't decided until, you know, the very last possession. Uh, Spain is vulnerable in a lot of a lot of spots uh, as well, and I'm not convinced they can, you know, beat Australia more than you know five times in in, in ten games. So I think that game in itself is a is a big of a toss up. But if I had to pick one, I'm honestly maybe leaning uh, towards Spain at this point. Wow, really? So you, so you just really like what they did against Czech Republic that much to? And it change it, change your. Or I'm sorry, that was Australia beat Czech Republic. Uh, they beat uh, Poland, but Spain I think the fact the fact that the U.S. Yeah. and Serbia lost uh, kind of changes this outcome. I think Spain's gonna Spain France will be an interesting matchup because Spain has struggled with uh, French's athleticism uh, for years. Uh, they lost in the 2014 uh, FIBA World Cup when when we wanted to, you know, everybody wanted to see the U.S. versus the, the Gobert. Yeah the Gobert coming out party. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's funny. This is the, although we will see the USA-Serbia game now, but in a fifth place matchup, like you said, but this is uh, like the third major world tournament in a row where we don't get the matchup that we were looking for. Last Olympics, we wanted to see Australia-USA in the final. We got Serbia, and then uh, the previous World Cup, we wanted to see the US-Spain, where the Spain had really been playing well until that, uh, up to that French game, but didn't happen, but if I had to pick one, uh, I would choose Spain, but uh, Australia and France, I think, are right there. I think Argentina has to be incredible uh, to win this tournament, but still, I think their chances of winning are are legitimate. It's not a fluke if they do, uh, do win it. I'm going to go with France. I think they have the most talent, and I think that them and Gobert, seeing if it is Australia and France in the final, I think that seeing them Australia for the second time will be useful for the French as far as being able to guard them. I think they can do a better job uh, than they did the, the first time around when they lost by two. So, uh, and I don't think Australia can guard France. I think Australia is, is pretty weak defensively. Um, they just don't have the, uh, the, the athleticism on, on the perimeter. They don't really have amazing rim protection. Uh, and Gobert is, is easily the best player left in the tournament. Now I think you'd have to say so. Uh, yeah, he's had some struggles at times in FIFA, and we'll see whether you know your formula of making him move around works or not. But uh, yeah, I can't wait for the rest of this. Uh, despite being uh, an American, I will be watching the the rest of it, uh, and uh, 
uh, rooting for some really fun games. So uh, thanks. Thanks again for joining us on, on short notice. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and uh, we will, uh, if uh, you guys don't know, follow Christian at a uh, coach Palotier, P-A-L-O-T-I-E. Did I get that right? right? All right. Uh, for uh, plenty of European basketball and uh, NBA tweeting. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on Sunday night. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.